It's Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160 is the phone number for you to call. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And the first story that I brought up for us to talk about tonight, because we are a call-in talk radio show. We talk about what's going on from our perspective, and we allow you to call in with whatever is on your mind or what you think about what we're saying. And you can call that number at 603-283-6160. But the first story I brought in is from APnews.com. And the title is, Please Regulate AI. Artists push for U.S. copyright reforms, but tech industry says not so fast. So I titled the show, Dirty Hippies Call for AI (laughs) Regulations. (laughs) Copyright is just such a strange thing. You know, it kind of is, but a lot of people swear by it. A lot of people want their work copywritten. But it's, it's interesting from a libertarian perspective that, you know, Ian says on the show frequently that... You can't, you can't, uh, you can't copyright an idea, or you can't protect an idea. It's impossible. Yeah, ideas know? are just ideas, and so when you think about copyright, it's just interesting how we think that we can just say, "Well, this idea is mine, and no one else can have it." If the human race, you know, got wiped off the earth, and then a new race of humans sprung up from, you know, evolution or whatever, and they came up with the same ideas that some other humans had come up with before it wouldn't take anything I mean, away from those that people. but also like that would just be a natural occurrence right yeah. you know like you can assume a lot and I, and I think this a lot where like i'll either be having a thought or i'll have an idea or i'll do something and i'm like i bet there is there has to be someone else in the world or maybe hundreds of people that are doing the same thing or had the same thought or yeah. like had the same idea so i might think that my idea is unique relatively so but there had like there's no way I'm the only or first person to come up with this thing. Right. And you know, I'm I have the same thing where I think of an idea and all of a sudden someone else has the idea and they just get to it first or whatever yeah. and it's just the way it is. It's timeliness, really. And yeah. One thing I heard that makes a lot of sense to me is that the mouth of God is the mind of people and if God has and a thing he wants someone to do, he's going to give them that idea. You'll feel yeah. like it's your idea. But if you don't take it, he might go give it to someone else if you don't act yeah. on it. So really, that's God's uh, copyright. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing about it is I just find it weird when people call it like actual theft. It's not theft if you don't lose anything. Yeah. Yeah. Or like intellectual property. It's just it seems like that's not like how is does intellectual property even exist it's funny you know, because it doesn't make sense the people who believe in intellectual property the most usually are less likely to understand their entire lives based on property rights like actual property yeah exactly well you, you can't if you if you understand property rights then you would have to realize that intellectual property is not it it doesn't make sense yeah like there's this um scandal in Pop music. There's an artist I like named Marina and the Diamonds. I guess yeah. she just goes by Marina now. And there's this other artist I like named Charlie XCX. And one day, this was like, I don't know, 2015 or something. Like, this was a while ago. One day, Charlie posted a... They're both from the UK, and they're both pop stars, like, with similar fans and music. And one day, Charlie posted a photo shoot that was, like, neon colors and maybe, like, fruit in the background. And Marina, which was just totally jumping the gun and kind of disappointing, commented, wow, that 
fruit looks familiar, dot, dot, dot. And then went and posted on Twitter, like, copying an artist's intellectual property is literally theft. No, that's... Please respect fellow artists. First of all, not literally theft. Yeah. Second of all, Marina, it was Marina that was telling her that she was stealing stealing her her property. Okay, you are not the first person to do a photo shoot with fruit. Yeah. Right, and so it's just interesting that they think that, you know, they're, they're... their property is stolen, but they're not they're not losing money, are they? They're probably not losing absolutely anything. Well, and it's like you can't have a, a monopoly on, like, photo shoots with fruit. Yeah. That's crazy. And, you whenever... know, so many people before you have done a photo shoot with fruit. Yep. And it's not an entirely unique thing. Yeah. And what turned out happening, it's so embarrassing for Marina, to be honest, um, what turned out to be the case, Charlie came out to defend herself and she was like, I w- wasn't trying to do anything. I did look at the pictures Marina was referring to. And unfortunately, they do kind of look similar. But I was working with this photo photographer and it's the same one that Marina had worked with. And they kind of so, take a creative direction. Yeah. So it sounds like it's his. Yeah. You know, that's like his style. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with her. It yeah. has everything to do with the actual like. Photographer, you know, and that's just so embarrassing. I I just always think it is. Yeah, that makes her it makes her look really it it just doesn't make her look good. Yeah. You know, and we see this with artists a lot, particularly like, you know, music artists where um, I mean, it's just, you know, there's only so many guitar chords, right? Like you can always come up with some something unique, but to a certain extent, like a lot of drummers are going to come up with the same or similar beats. Um, And not only that is like. As a as a musician, like you're constantly drawing from inspiration. I mean, and just in general, not even in music, like in any kind of art or yeah. any kind of, you know, if you're an author or anything at all, you're constantly drawing from inspiration from people that came before you. I mean, like that's how rock and roll was created. Like first we started with like, you know, they, they took it from, um you know, like blues music. And then, you know, we had Chuck Berry and then there was the Beatles and then, you know, there's Led Zeppelin. So it's like all of those artists were taking or taking from the music that they grew up with and that inspired them. And that is just a natural human experience. So to say you want like to copyright this entire thing that is like very broad, it's like, it's just, it doesn't make sense. You know, everyone's personalities would be like theft of everybody they knew in their life. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the the argument from for intellect for intellectual property is made because people say, well, this is my idea. This is how how it came about. So therefore, I own the idea. And yet, at the same time, you know, if you're writing a book, let's say, and you are writing a story, and someone else has a similar story, did they really steal your idea? Not really. I mean, they they may have lifted some ideas from your ideas, but you know, every every author is going like like Nikki or said earlier. We're all building on each other. So let's. Let's not worry about intellectual property today. And that's kind of how people, you know, move forward is building yeah. on each other and then like, oh, I'll take this idea and make it like a little better in this way. Yeah. And it's like, where does it start and where does it stop? Yeah. It, it's like when people are like 12 year old girls and they accuse their friends of like, she's copying me. It's yeah. literally happening. Like, it's the same thing. And it's yeah, it's embarrassing that adults are still doing this. You right. know, it's like, oh, my gosh, you wore a skirt today. I, I told you I was going to wear yeah. a skirt. You know what I mean? It's like, grow up. Like, what do you, like, What what is this? I don't know. It's just, to me, like, if you're a successful person and if you're, you know, 
if you're doing these big, bold, unique things, you shouldn't worry if other people are copying you because wouldn't you, you know, like if you're so great, like you should be doing it better than them. You know what I mean? Right. And also you should be continually doing new things too. Like a huge thing I see come up a lot on if I'm just like mindlessly scrolling YouTube or um, Instagram or something like that, sometimes Twitter, is somebody who makes things claiming that a bigger, um, a place that's more like fast fashion copied their like purse design. Yeah, or probably. Yeah. Clothes design. And they probably did. But the thing about it is, so like they're, they're making it cheaper and faster and people are buying it cheaper because those people have the ability to do it. You only have the ability to make like handmade nice version of it. Well, you should be able to be, you know, competing in the fact that mine is handmade and nicer and stuff like that yeah a lot of people are going to buy those cheaply made ones but those people are probably never going to be buying like a really nice handmade one for one thing and the other thing is no one ever complains when super uh rich luxury brands get their ideas stolen and then yeah exactly right the gate and stuff like that because people want this cheap version of exactly well it's more accessible so if like we have this like thousand dollar gucci handbag you know, people who can't afford that, they want like the knockoff version. Maybe uh, maybe we just need to realize that, you know, if you have an idea and someone else has a similar idea, find out how you can make your idea better and and compete in the market of ideas. This is the way society should work. This is the way we should function. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of brands have marketed themselves as like the original. So when people, mm-hmm. when other, you know, companies have kind of taken their idea and either made it, you know, cheaper or or whatever... That's how they market themselves to like stay kind of relevant and stay in businesses. Like we are the original this thing. And if that helps you sell more, it's like imitation is the highest form of flattery. Yeah. It's like I oh, mean, people are trying to be us now I've, by our original one. I've also seen um, companies go out of business. There's this really awesome um, holster, gun holster uh, company called Can Can Concealment. Uh, and they made really high quality holsters. So like, you know, in the in the woman's <laughs> self-defense world, it's really, really difficult to find holsters that work with women's clothing, with women's body shape. They they kind of that that market a lot of the times caters to men. Um, so whenever you have a, a company that caters to women and makes high quality products that you, you know, like I can carry wearing a dress or yoga pants or whatever. Um, so they they made all these different kinds of holsters that were geared towards women. And then um, there were all of these knockoffs of them. So now you go on Amazon and you can kind of find the same products for a lot cheaper. They're probably not, you know, they're not as high quality. So there's that. Um, but because of that, this company actually went out of business because they were unable to compete with the competition in the market. And it's unfortunate. And I loved the company and I'm like super bummed. Now I have to like scour eBay to find, you know, different holsters from this company. But unfortunately, like that's just the way the market works. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, it sucks for that company for Can Can Concealment because they had an awesome product, but they weren't able to compete in the market. And the market spoke and was like, we don't care about quality. We need it to be cheaper. Yeah. You know, the vast majority of people were... Clearly, like, that was more important to them. Controlling the market is much more evil than, you know, one company going out of business 
that yeah. for whatever reason couldn't compete. Uh, but like, I mean, like, I don't that's... really understand why. Like, why couldn't they do new ideas slash try to make their product Well, they cheaper? didn't, and that's why they went out of business, right? And I mean, companies go out of business all of the time because they are either unable to stay relevant, they're unable to, like, develop and come up with new, unique stuff. Um, you know, there's a million different reasons why your company could go... Like, I have a business. I have a couple businesses. My business could go out of business, if I if I if I can't compete in the market, you know what I mean? Like if I can't sell my yoga classes, then, you know, if I'm not a good enough yoga teacher, if I don't have good enough marketing skills or if I'm not willing to invest enough into my company. Yeah. I mean, there are a million other yoga teachers or invest I could in, totally go or invest out of in learning yoga, te- new lo- yoga techniques or new ideas and in, in yo- working with yoga. Yeah. Yeah, new things to add to your yoga experience. Yeah, right. Like if I have these stale classes and I'm doing the same thing every week, like, yeah, you would be smart to go to a different yoga instructor. You know what I mean? It's just like not everyone who wants to have the same exact type of business needs to be in the market. Like, do we need like a 10th pizza place in Keene, New Hampshire? Probably not. Like it probably wouldn't survive. There's like a bunch of Keene or pizza places. But if there's the demand, you know, you might think that because maybe you don't value that. But if everybody else in Keene values this... Pizza, I could be wrong. It's just the first know. thing that came to my mind. But, but, like, this, but my, my point is really like we wouldn't value that. Like I'm not going to go to any of the pizza. You know, I, there's only like one pizza place I want to go to in Keene that yeah. already exists. Right. And I'm giving mm-hmm. my money to that company. Um, Buffalo Wild Wings would be nice here. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah. But mm-hmm. also like in this market, I think Buffalo Wild Wings would thrive. I yeah. wouldn't Keene, even you know um, what I mean? mind a Buffalo Wild Wings because they have a lot of stuff that they make without seed oils, oh, which is so that'd be surprising. Great. So, but, but Bonnie, like for us, like we value that sort of product. We value a product without seed oils. So we're going to, you know, make visiting those restaurants more of a priority. I would say the vast majority of people don't care about that. Mm-hmm. So it really depends. But they would go to a Buffalo Wild Wings. They would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have but other appealing factors, right? There's so. all kinds of things in Keene, New Hampshire specifically. I've only lived here since 2020, so it's just so weird. It's such a weird market. Like There are things that open, and I'm like, oh, that's probably going to do really well, and then it closes, and I'm like, why did that even close? And yeah. I can't think of a good example off the top of my head. But I, know but I guess happened. like... Yeah, like personal wants is not always like a good, you know, a good reflection of what the entire market wants. You know, like you might be like, oh, I love going to this restaurant. This is awesome. Like this is the best restaurant ever. We go every week. And if no one else in Keene agrees with you, if you're the only person frequenting that restaurant, they're going to go out of business. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what the greater population of people and so in that, the market that's what thinks. I like, you know if, what I mean? If there's already enough pizza places, just as an example, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Keene, New Hampshire, the next person who comes up with one doesn't have some kind of right to not close down if they can't compete. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And- it's just like everyone wanting to do the same kind of business isn't like a and right. Also, like, like the, first, the first pizza profitable. place that has ever existed in Keene doesn't have a right to be like there can't be any other pizza places yeah. because I have the monopoly on pizza places in Keene. You're like little Zoe's can't be like, well, we we have this like um you know unique sourdough crust that we use. If no one else can if, do the same crust. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> if another pizza place comes to Keene and they're like, we're gonna make this crust and we're gonna make it half the price of your pizza. They can't be like you know authorities. Yeah. Close this pizza yeah. place down. They copied me. This is intellectual. You know, a violation of my rights. To this intellectual property. Like, that's not how it works. They could even use the same exact recipe. It doesn't matter. I mean, that's just it's how like people, competition in the market works. The people who come out up with some sort of, like, it's usually, like, clothing 
or a purse or something like that when I say, see this on Instagram and then they're complaining that like, you know, um, something that makes crappy cheap clothes uh, put them out of business. It's like, do you think that you have some kind of right to have one job for the rest of your life and like everyone else, like if they fail, they have to move on to something else. Like, you know, you know like yeah. I should be able to make this purse that's shaped like a taxi cab for the rest of my life and never have to work again since it was just such a great idea in my opinion. <laughs> Anyways, this article from the AP says, please regulate AI. Artists push for U.S. copyright reforms, but tech industry says not so fast. And it's by Matt O'Brien. It says country singers, romance novelists. Uh, that's funny. I seriously didn't. I, I might have read this the other day when I pulled this up, but I, I don't know why when you were saying about authors, Riley, I was like, yeah, romance novelists, that's like the same stuff over and over and over again. Yeah, it really it is. is. Yeah. It's a very similar story. <laughs> and of course, but, but clearly, I mean, that is such a popular genre oh, of music. Oh, for sure. I mean, of music, of, of books, <laughs> right, you know what I mean, is. of literature. But they're so all clearly, similar stories. They are. No, it's it's complete crap. I mean, if you like, I mean, in my opinion, yeah. but clearly in a ton of other, you know, women's opinions, they love that. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's the same book over and over again. They want the smut aspect of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I have never been into romance novels, but just I follow this one girl on YouTube and she is more like like sharing like her life with you. But she'll always tell you like what she's listening to and talk about it for a while. And I'm like, I first of all, it all sounds the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, second of all, I just can't even I just can't put myself in the position to want to listen to that. But yes, there are tons and tons of people here talking about um like what's her name? So, something Hoover, Colleen Hoover. She writes like romance novels and mm-hmm. they all sound similar and they're crazy popular yeah this is country singers romance novelists video game artists and voice actors are appealing to the u.s government for relief as soon as possible from the threat that artificial intelligence poses to their livelihoods please regulate ai i'm scared wrote a podcaster Concerned about his voice being replicated by AI in one of thousands of letters recently submitted to the U.S. Copyright Office. That's just a I mean, it's inevitable. Quote. Your voice is going to be replicated. I mean, think about Free Talk Live. Yeah. This show has been on for 20, 22 years, 21 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Ian's voice will be replicated. Mark's voice will be replicated. You know, some of the host's voice will be replicated. It's just going to happen. And it's just like, if you can't compete with an ai podcast like i've listened to some of them have come out and they're just total crap in my opinion ian's always yeah. like it's so impressive yeah it's impressive that a robot did that but it's not like yeah. oh let's listen to this instead but a, of- a human being creating that is still more yeah, yeah. it's still better Currently. humans, yeah, still one day better. Won't be, humans but- are going to provide more of an authentic touch to things and maybe that's how we'll compete in the market is we'll provide an authentic touch instead of just regurgitating interesting conversations it's like why do you care what a robot pretends to think about a thing if you're interested in listening to like somebody's like political opinions the robot's opinions are i i feel like it's not important but and right so we're going back to like unique uniqueness right so if like basically what an ai does is it collects a bunch of data from like the internet or wherever like you feed it data and then it creates a thing but if you have a genuinely unique thought or if you're genuinely like doing something different, AI can't come up with that because they they don't have access to that yet. They and can copy also, you after the fact. 
Yep. But let's also think about the fact that he's a podcaster. Like, how many yeah. podcasts are on the internet? Like, yeah. the idea that they're specifically going to want to make your voice doing a podcast when they can just make up a new voice or yeah. just, you know, use Joe Rogan's voice. Well, for all I know, it is Joe Rogan, but I doubt he's writing them saying, please regulate AI. I'm scared. I yeah, I don't think Joe, think Joe Rogan's scared. <laughs> I don't think Joe Rogan would be I think he'd be more curious if anything, really. Yeah, I mean, and the thing with Joe Rogan is, right, he has literally the most popular podcast in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. he does. So I doubt he's scared of it. You know what right. I mean? Like, he's not afraid of competition. How many podcasts are there? Like, millions? And Joe Rogan is the best. Yeah. So, I don't know you know what I mean? Afraid of competition. Like, I don't listen to him or anything like that. I, I don't know, but I, I doubt he would be, considering he has been, like, the number one podcast for years i just thought he would be and there's scared. millions like, of other podcasts you know what i mean like clearly right. in the market he's he's currently winning and he has already <laughs> made so much money he could just stop right now yeah but some so that just means that some random podcaster wrote the u.s copyright office saying he's scared it's like your podcast could just start failing at any moment like yes you could say something that someone doesn't like, and they're like, cancel this, dude. It's yeah, crazy. cancel culture, yeah, right? Yeah. You don't have some kind of right to not have your podcast fail. Like, that's well, ridiculous. No, and this is the thing, too. Like, well, what we were literally just talking about, like, in the market, it's like your business could fail for any reason, and you can't necessarily blame that on AI or on, you know, China knockoffs. Now, coming back to this podcaster guy, I do have a podcast. But at the same time, I'm not worried about AI taking over my podcast or ruining my podcast or people not no, no longer listening because there's an AI replicating my podcast for me. I'm not mm-hmm. worried about it because, you know, maybe it would make my life easier to have an AI do my show. Yeah, yeah, you could employ an AI, right? Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. utilize utilize that technology. On days where like I couldn't get anyone to come in, I yeah. could do first chair. We have our a, robot. Yeah, a robot could be on. <laughs> I still wouldn't give it rights. No, I'm just kidding. 603-283-6160. What do you think about all this? It's Free Talk Live, and you can call in at 603-283-6160. More coming up. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by that treasury. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya Protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash Dash.org.
Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. And 603-283-6160 is the phone number for you to call to get in on the conversation with us. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And I wanted to tell you about Dash. This hour, Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Talk about... Oh, sorry. Dash has transaction fees that are less than one cent. Dash transactions are instant, irreversible, and are protected from 51% attacks by its chain locks technology. Dash is the world's first decentralized autonomous... Sorry. Dash has it the world's first decentralized autonomous organization, and BitRefill allows for discounted purchases at national retailers. Sprit.Finance allows for bill pay and cashes out to your bank. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol, and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. And thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn more about Dash. Dash.org. So we are getting into this story from the AP, so APnews.com, about artists wanting the government to regulate AI for them. Because they couldn't possibly just make better art or anything like that. And they have to make $1 million on every drawing they make or whatever it is that they make. I just I'm being hyperbolic, obviously, but I just think it's ridiculous. I just think it's interesting that the artists are complaining about AI instead of utilizing it to their advantage and making making mm. it work for them. That's such a good point. Um, and I know at least one artist in my real life who is doing just that. Just he gets paid to make graphics. Actually, I think I know two in real life who are doing this. He gets paid to make graphics, and instead of complaining the AI took his job, he uses it and gets paid to make art 10 times faster. Well, and this is, yeah, this is the thing. So technology is constantly developing and you can either use it to your advantage and go with the flow or you can fight the current, but you're not going to win if you fight the current, you know, like you're going to be blown downstream and you're going to be irrelevant. It's like the the self-checkout at uh, the grocery store. Uh, you know, you have like the old people who are like, no, I refuse to do your job for you. And they're just like fighting the self-checkout. And it's like, OK, well, one day there will only be self-checkout. Yeah. at all. And you like won't know right how now. to use it because you're going to be like 80 years old and how, you know, didn't practice. You know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> yeah. just obviously mention, that's a stupid example. But like, that's the, what I think of. You know what I mean? Like this. All of this is stupid. Before there's only self-checkouts, you're just going to be purposely going through a slower line just because you want to. Yeah, just to, it, and it's really and is. It's just to make a point. You know what I mean? And it's like the people who are like, oh, I want to talk to a human. It, there are just some I things don't. you don't have to talk to a human yeah. for. Like, and, and are you really talking to the cashier? Or are you just like, they're just moving they're just moving and- stuff along generally. Sometimes it's nice to do self-checkout. It makes things a lot easier. Yep. Yeah, it's it's quicker. It's funny, like at Aldi, that was the, the latest place that added the self-checkout. Yeah, yeah. So Aldi, you know, their their whole thing is that they're German and that they, they do all these unique European things to make the groceries cost less and to um, to make things more efficient. So they train their cashiers to like super quickly 
whip the groceries into your cart and mm-hmm. you're you like they so they save so they save you money by not providing you with free bags and yeah. Aldi's been doing this forever. So you have to, you know, pay your 25 cents for the the grocery cart and then you have to bring your own bags or buy bags from them. Mm-hmm. So huh. I'm saying like Either way, you had to bag your own groceries. Yeah. Like it's not like, you know, you you have to do everything now. All all you have to do is scan it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like to me it's almost easier in that setting to bag my own groceries. The only reason it's ever like I feel like now we're just talking about bagging groceries more than like this actual topic, but um the only reason I ever find it more convenient to go to a person is when I have a huge full cart. Like I went to Hannaford the other day for thanksgiving shopping and going through the self-checkout even if they didn't have a limit i think it actually is like 10 items or less but even if they didn't have a limit i would have gone to the people where i can just put it all up there and let them search through and get it but i'm just talking about checking out groceries at this point so let's go to your it's relatable though (laughs) unscreened caller what's your name and what's on your mind yeah this is ed in utah i've talked to you before bonnie um Yeah. Uh, In case you uh, didn't remember, folks, and that's a lot of people, not just the younger generation, today is the 60th anniversary of the killing of John F. Kennedy. Kennedy. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I'm telling you, in in my younger years and years back in the 70s, uh, even in the 60s, of course, right through the 90s, every, you know, major hurdle of that, like a milestone, 35 30 years, 40 years of the JFK, it was always marked, always talked about. This was a very big thing for those of us alive during the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And so the reason I call uh, about this, uh, have anyone of you heard of the book Final Judgment by Michael Collins Piper? No. I have not. Okay. That book came out in 97. Those of us who have read it have said it's the last word on the JFK. Of course, you're going to have a lot of people saying, oh, well, there's Jim Mars, there's this, there's that. Yeah, a lot of contributors. All good. But most people in my generation remember Mark Lane. Maybe you've come across him. Very famous author and attorney. Uh, very involved politically, this man. Mark Lane wrote Rush to Judgment, the first groundbreaking book on the JFK assassination. And he's the one that uh, nailed the Warren Commission. However, he didn't have a conclusion, a final conclusion on, quote, who did it. But when Michael Collins Piper came out with final judgment in 1997, the great Mark Lane said, Michael Piper has pinned the tail on the donkey. So any of your listeners that want to talk about the uh, JFK assassination and those in the CIA specifically, not just, oh, the CIA killed him or uh, 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 Lyndon Baines Johnson, who obviously had a cover-up role, but he did not kill John F. Kennedy. The JFK assassination was the work of magicians, obviously, that we're still talking about it years later. But I, t- I will make a challenge to any one of you. You read Final Judgment, you will, you will believe, like me, that that's the final word on the JFK chapter. That's really interesting. Thank you for the recommendation. Um, it's kind of Thank funny you. Uh, that you bring this up today and that it was this date. And I did know that, but didn't think about it all day because today I thought about the fact that I was like, they could, they, those and them, they could kill 
Javier Malay just to scare people out of being libertarians and getting mm-hmm. into power. And then I thought, wait, that would be kind of like a killing of a king ritual. And he goes by the king of the jungle. So if they yeah. did that, I bet that's what they're going to do. And they always yeah. bring up um, JFK in, um, you know, conspiracy or, uh, websites and stuff. We'll call it a killing of a king, which is allegedly a Masonic ritual, but they do a real blood sacrifice one when they kill people like Kennedy and Abraham Lincoln, like people who are incredibly popular. And I don't exactly know how to explain why they do it or anything. It's just a conspiracy and it seems to happen a lot. And it's always like people that are really popular and it's like, oh, it's so sad that he got killed and it brings a chilling effect. And it's usually somebody who is going to do something good, like they say about JFK. Mm -hmm. I can't really say the same about Abraham Lincoln. But I don't know. That just popped in my head today. I was like, it could be a killing of the king ritual. And then I was like, wait, he goes by king of the jungle. I that would that be that would be a little scary for sure. And I think it's interesting that you know we, we're talking about this now. I'm pretty sure that Lee Harvey Oswald did not assassinate JFK. Right. Definitely, patsy. definitely a patsy. Definitely a cover up story. I mean, the the U.S. government has done things like MK Ultra and mind control experiments for years, and so. JFK's assassination was definitely a patsy. I mean, I think the same thing about John Lennon. So you have these figures Mm -hmm. that are either promoting peace or they're promoting some sort of like um, alternate agenda, right? Like, I don't think for... I mean... I'm I'm sure that um who was it? Mark David Chapman or whoever, you know, assassinated um, or killed uh, John Lennon. I mean, I'm sure he was either put up to it or, you know, like Riley mentioned, MKUltra. Like, you can brainwash people to do stuff like this. I mean, who knows? He was doing such weird crap. Like, he was more than schizophrenic. He was a total freaking weirdo, according to his ex-wife. The only book yeah. I've ever read about it was actually a book that's making the argument that JFK sold his soul to the devil right before the Beatles, like, popped off, which... He doesn't make an amazing point, but it's a really interesting book. Yeah, that's an interesting theory. And I can't remember what's called off the top of my head. I've read it like twice. And the Lee Harvey Oswald stuff is all like, you know, facts about him. And it's totally freaking weird. Like if he was MKUltra, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Mm-hmm. Me neither. Um, Moving on to more calls and thoughts. Tim in Florida, what's on your mind? I never got on that fast. Uh, so are we in kindergarten? What does that yes. mean? I don't know. Um, grocery shopping, bags, no bags. I I do uh, grocery shopping and delivery uh, through through various entities, and uh, you know some places provide bags, some places provide boxes. You know how it goes. All these you got to buy the bags. It's all good. What, what? Why did you ask if we're in kindergarten? I th- I thought that was like going to play into your point somehow. Oh, well, I, I hate it when people go into my head and they remove things from it without asking. Okay. Okay, that's Intellect, that's interesting. Oh, I see what property. you're saying. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, like, yeah. oh, he stole my idea. It It is really <laughs> childish. You're right. Well, thank you for the call, Tim. Um, I didn't get it at first. So I was either. still I, like, what? I thought he was talking about but what now, we were saying yeah, about yeah. MKUltra or something. Yeah. But... um. It is true. It's really, really childish to act like somebody stole your idea and then be mad Stop about it. Stop copying me! And um, contact daddy government saying, I'm scared. Please regulate AI like this podcaster really did. Yeah. yeah. So before we move on, I just want to make a comment that as a blind person, I don't really particularly like self-checkout because I don't know where the barcode is on the yeah. on the grocery item. 
So it's just easier to have a person do it yeah. for me. But that actually does, be, that makes a lot of sense. There would always be an employee though, right? Like if... Uh, there should be, yeah. I mean, like one day there could be totally... Um, but there should be like someone there to help, but even if it is self-checkout. But there could be a totally automated entire store. Could be, yeah. But they'd probably be... Um, purposely making it as accessible as possible yeah. like you'd have to i have- mean even like mcdonald's they could do that because they have the um the kiosks now that a lot of like yeah, mcdonald's one- and like taco bell you can go there and you can just order yeah but yeah. i Panera mean bread's been doing that forever yes but, so, so that's that my point so like McDonald's. yeah so the, the kiosk i didn't know they actually did it but like so you order at the kiosk right this and then only, um uh- the robots make the food mm-hmm. and then i mean it's already kind of like conveyor belt style That's food, what they did. right? You know what I mean? So. In a few locations for McDonald's, but it was only. Um, but think of it like now, through. you know, we're we're pushing for this, or not we're, but a lot of people in the United States specifically are pushing for twenty dollar minimum wage, fifteen dollar minimum wage, whatever. And it's like, well, this is what happens. McDonald's can't afford to pay you twenty dollars an hour and in certain areas. You know what I mean? And even dollar minimum wage, let's push for it. And even more accessible for blind people and faster for everyone type of grocery store would be what I have been saying since like I first ever got on Free Talk Live was that one day I want there to be grocery stores where literally you drive up and sitting sit in a parking spot and you uh tell you can even like speak into like a drive through your order yep. and it just um assembles it all yourself and comes out and you grab it like a vending machine. That will one day probably happen. Well, they had like the the like during COVID, this kind of started where like the curbside pickup. And that's I guess that's like a little similar to that. That's For still me, paying someone to go and grab everything from the store. That's just yeah. Total so you're, you're talking about com- like uh, automated by robots. Yes, yeah, right? like like it, yeah, every okay. spot is the only spot, and it's all yeah. like underground. It comes up like a bank tube. Yeah. See, That'd I don't cool. like that because I. Am like primarily eating like produce and, and meats, right? So but I'm like, I want to like that weren't that way, you know. I want to pick it up, right? But and I wouldn't want to. I also get don't like grocery shop. Like yeah, so like I also don't like grocery shopping. So I'm like, I will do. <laughs> I will go to so many different farms and that's to avoid grocery shopping. I love you know grocery I mean? shopping. It's fun to me, but I still would love for that to exist for days where I don't feel like looking good. Yeah. I don't feel like walking around or whatever. And I just need to go grab something really fast or I'm like really in a rush. Like today I realized we were running out of something. I had to send my sister to go grab it right before work. Would have been much easier to sit in the parking spot and have it shoot up like a bank um, tube like they have. I don't know what you call those things. But moving back on to this AP article about AI, we told you in the last segment that a podcaster wrote the U.S. Copyright Office and submitted a complaint where he wrote, please regulate AI. I'm scared. And it says technology companies, by contrast, are largely happy with the status quo that has enabled them to gobble up published works to make their AI systems better at mimicking what humans do. And you can tell just by the way they wrote that, that they're purposely writing it to make it sound like the tech tech people are like bad for doing this. Like, oh, their AI systems are gobbling up published works and mimicking what humans yeah, do. Yeah, like that's what it does. And it's just, it's a tool. That's just like I'm literally sorry. the function of it, though. Right. Like, what else is it going to do? Like, that is the, that is how it works. It says the nation's top copyright official hasn't uh, yet taken sides. 
Yet she told Associated Press that she's listening to everyone as her office weighs whether copyright reforms are needed for a new era of generative AI tools that can spit out compelling imagery, music, video, and passages of text. And that's just disgusting. I just had a thought. So Mm -hmm. in the early days of recording, when they started recording on wax cylinders and things like that, Mm -hmm. I had this thought. So could you imagine the musicians of the late 1800s, early 1900s suddenly be like, you know, we can't have these recordings of music everywhere being broadcast over a radio or whatever or put on a wax cylinder because then no one will come listen to us live. Yeah. That's yeah. the point. And it's just silly because you could either complain like that or you could use it to make yourself more money by playing yeah. live and selling CDs or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that came quite a while after the first people doing that, but Oh yeah. I don't know whatever else they were listening to it on records, I don't know. It um is just disgusting to me that there's this lady. It didn't it didn't even say who she was. Oh, I see. Uh Shira Perlmutter. That's her name. Never heard that name, but um, she's the copyright office lady and the one that they referenced as the top copyright official. And she's listening to everyone. Yeah, everyone's opinion, right? It's so she's disgusting. one Probably would assume ours. she's. I was about to say, what <laughs> is she listening to our show right now? Are you listening to my opinion? Yeah, it's Probably like not, not everyone. <laughs> it says we've received close to ten thousand comments. Says Shira Perlmutter, the U.S. Register of Copyrights, in an interview. Every one of them is being read by a human being, not a computer. Okay, sounds biased. <laughs> and I myself am reading a large part of them, so obviously not everyone. Um, we do have another call in the line. Ricky from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. What's on your mind, Ricky? Thank you there, Miss Bonnie. Sister Nikki, Brother Riley, good evening. Good evening. No doubt. Well, I've been sitting here listening to you here talking about the copyright laws. I just want to touch on a few things. Two of my favorite artists. We're going to start with the Beatles first. John Lennon said, music belongs to everyone. Producers just think they own it. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's, a, yep. that's the first one. Now, here's another. This is my number two, Buddy Holly. There are two recordings available that he called DECA. There were a total of three. You can find them in bootleg form. And it shows how smart Buddy was, but also the the two calls were, like, really sad because he was totally screwed, you know. And it just shows what happened. So many artists. I mean, everybody from Little Richard Mm -hmm. uh, to everybody. Everybody in the 50s got railed, you know. And now, today... It's funny because people like me and so many others that have been part of the sharing community throughout the years, we're considered criminals. Now, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. What do you mean sharing for sharing what? Sharing music. Oh, you well, yeah, pirating? You know. Yeah. I wouldn't say you're well, criminals, well, but, yeah, but the musicians are going to... We're not getting any money for it. The musicians we're are going to claim you're criminals. Money. We're just sharing like people always have, like Michael Moore said when he released... Fahrenheit 9-11. He said anybody can share that in any way they wish, including it was in theaters. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He says, I ain't hurting because sharing's what people always done. He got in a lot of trouble for that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, know. it's like, um, you know, you used to burn CDs and, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to make this mixtape for my crush, you know, stuff like that. I mean, like that's kind of I mean, people have been doing this for a long time. And now, um, you know, like through digital files, it's just easier for people to share music in movies and, you know, like all sorts of stuff. 
And I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. I do believe it is, you know, technically against the law in certain cases, depending on how you do it. I just didn't know that pirating actually meant like making money off of it. I just was saying, you know, like the act of torrenting. Well, right. So so the people who are uploading the files, either they get paid to, I guess, or they do it for free or they are accepting donations. Hmm. But it also is illegal to like, even if you're not making money off of it, like if I were to send you a torrent, I'm, I'm like, I think even just the act of downloading well, it I never onto that. your advice. I use that, so I never, but I did want to say one more important thing before we go on. The good news is, and I wish Buddy, the Beatles, and so many others had something called streaming. Because, you know, finally artists are now able to get their share and they're not really able to screw them anymore. Um, for you know? streaming? Yeah, because the deal's made. And you get so much. And the thing is, at least you're getting your money. You know, if yeah. you're not, maybe it ain't like per copy and all that stuff like it should be. But you're getting your money at least up front for streaming on a service. And it's a lot more fair than it used to be when producers just took your songs that you wrote like John Lennon did or Buddy Holly did. Well, thank you so much for the call, Ricky. Yeah, um, I never heard that quote from John Lennon. It's really cool. Um, definitely cool to hear. I mean, like, could be another reason that they killed him because he was talking out about, I mean, like, they kind of seem to have killed, um, Michael Jackson and he was also talking out against his record camp company, re- record label company mm-hmm. from for stealing from him and stuff. So maybe it's a reason that they killed him. Um, going on, this article says, what's at stake? Pearl Mutter. And if you remember, that's the lead lady from the copyright office with the feds. Perlmutter directed the U.S. Copyright Office, which registered more than 480,000 copyrights last year, covering millions of individual works, but is increasingly being asked to register works that are AI-generated. So far, copyright claims for fully machine-generated content have been soundly rejected because copyright laws are designed to protect works of human authorship. Hmm. I didn't know that's how they get out of it, which is pretty cool. But Perlmutter asks, as humans feed content into AI systems and give instructions to influence what comes out, is there a point at which there's enough human involvement in controlling the expressive elements of the output that the human can be considered to have contributed authorship? And that's one question that the Copyright Office has been uh, has put to the public. A bigger one, the question that's fielded thousands of comments from creative professions is what to do about copyrighted human works that are being pulled from the internet and other sources and ingested to train AI systems, often without permission or compensation. Nothing. Like, you put it on the internet. It's like the people who are like, I can't believe that Facebook owns my likeness, and you put all your pictures there without reading yeah. the small font. Yeah. Um, it says more than 9,700 comments were sent to the Copyright Office, part of the Library of Congress, before an initial comment period closed in late October. Another round of comments is due by December 6th. After that, Perlmutter's office will work to advise Congress and others on whether reforms are needed. Mm. But what are the artists saying? Addressing the ladies and gentlemen of the U.S. Copyright Office, the Family Ties actor and filmmaker Justine Bateman 
said she was disturbed that AI models were ingesting 100 years of film and TV in a way that could destroy the structure of the film business and replace large portions of its labor pipeline. I don't think so. I don't think I also think that's like, yeah, I I don't think that's going to happen. And also like says who, you know what I mean? Like that just sounds like how do we know that? How do we know that more jobs aren't going to? be created because of AI and where artists are going to be able to do things because of AI. Yeah, things yeah. you can do for Yeah. Like you just have to get all this plastic surgery done to your face. Maybe now they'll use AI to make it look like you had a nose job so you can get hired for more jobs. Yep. 603-283-6160 And besides, like, the TV and film company companies right now are ruining their own lives by striking. 603-283-6160 There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Illutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. To get in on the conversation with us, that's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And I'd like to tell you about the Amplifier program that you can join to get some perks um, and extras from Free Talk Live. You can go to amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. And I'd like to thank... Reverend Ratspeed. Thank you, Reverend Ratspeed. He's very, very, very nice. And he's a platinum level amplifier at amps.freetalklive.com. So thank you so much to Reverend Ratspeed. And if you'd like to join more, you can go to amps.freetalklive.com to help us amplify, market, promote, and um, support Free Talk Live. It's important to do that right now because, you know, Ian's in prison and we're, we're struggling. We, we, I don't know if we're struggling as a show, but it's just nice to have extra money coming in. And yes, we really appreciate everyone who helps us. So before the break, we were talking about this article from AP.com, APnews.com, about the Copyright Office. You know, they're listening to everyone before they decide whether or not to impose, well, I guess they can't personally impose rules, but before they decide to suggest to Congress that they should impose rules on um, AI. And to make it to where people, you know, can't use this tool just because some other people um, want to make, you know, extra money on what they think they can make. It's just so silly because it's like, I want to make money on the, this idea I had once instead of like using AI to make way more money on top of it. And I want everyone else to suffer too, including the entire yeah. economy. 
I mean, like, honestly, I'm not a tech person. I probably wouldn't even, like, try to figure out how to use AI. Um, But just because of that doesn't mean I would want to, like, hinder everyone else. Yeah, especially you since one mean? day there will be AI things that are so easy to use. I mean, there's already yeah. things... I mean, they are already pretty user-friendly, a lot of them, but yeah. I'm not interested in that. Yeah, I, so, even if you don't I mean, need it, it's yeah. just silly to act like you can't benefit from it like you'll benefit from it in some way like yeah. in the next few years it's also you're... even if even if i wouldn't benefit from it i think it would be selfish for me to say like no one else should be able to use this technology it'd be evil Stupid. like yeah, people it's... can't make money who want to make more money than they have now to survive because well no. i want to make a thousand dollars every taxi shaped person that I make and that's not like I is that a real example that you're using it was something else that was um a a shape of a purse that was really weird and I can't remember what it was it wasn't a taxi but it was kind of cool and this guy made it and then he was like um actually oh wait I'm actually using a bad example because his whole thing was like yes I made this and yes people are gonna start copying it but the thing about it is I don't want them to stop um making it because every time it um one of mine sells, it's something that's handmade, and I, I sell it for this much, and I'm not going to make them forever, so I don't care if people copy me. So that's a yeah. bad example, but it's what keeps popping into my head. And it might have not been a taxi. I, I don't remember now. It was something really cool like A that. unique, yeah. And it, it was a little, like, handbag. You just open up this item, but it was actually a bag. Um, but yeah, it's, like, something that's... I'm just using it as an example as something that, like, you think that no one else could ever create, but somebody else might literally think of that idea, or they just see your idea and they copy it because they can make it way cheaper with their um, factory that they put up the capital to make. Like, I'm sorry they did. But, Bonnie, here's the problem we have with AI. It's going to take over the world and and demolish governments and demolish, uh, demolish society. Cool. I would love if it demolished governments, but I feel like... It's not going to do that because they're going like, to yeah, work I think together. The, I think the AI and the government will work hand in hand together and make the government more tyrannical. I mean, Great. think about the Soviet Union and how tyrannical that was. It's going to be more tyrannical with AI in charge. If these people get their way and get the copyright office to make um, the, their suggestion and then regulate AI really hard um, in the United States, all it's going to do is make it less easy for poorer and m- less influential people to use AI. But the yeah. people high up are going to still be able to use it. Well, AI. exactly. So, like, it's only going to be used for government purposes or for like people like Elon Musk yeah. who can afford the patents or whatever you're going to need. So, like, this is what happens when we regulate stuff so strictly. It's like, People are like, no, you know, I because of copyright and because I'm scared and all this stuff, it's going to take over the world. But really, we already have these entities that have already taken over the world, mm-hmm. and you're worried about AI? Yeah. Like, seriously? We have it's an like, organization right now occupying soil here in the yeah. geographical polygon land we call the United States, and they're already tyrannical. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I just find it hilarious that somebody, a podcaster, literally wrote to the copyright office and said, please regulate AI. I'm scared. It's yeah. just I'm crazy. I'm so scared. AI is scaring me. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> silly. It is a little silly, isn't it? 
It says, so we, in the last segment, we were talking about what the artists are saying. And it says that um, an actor and filmmaker, Justine Bateman from Family Ties, which I've never seen, I don't know who she is, said she was disturbed that AI models were ingesting hundreds of years of film and TV in a way that could destroy the structure of the film business and replace large portions of its labor pipeline. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to... It's impossible to destroy that, and I could totally see... like these uh, movie producers and stuff like that using AI to their advantage to further develop. I mean, think of like CGI and like all of these like special effects and stuff like watch movies from the eighties. The special effects sucked, you know, Mm -hmm. like they were not very good at all. And then look at present day movies. It is amazing. The things that they can do with this software and with these like video editing techniques that they're using. I mean, it's like, so, so insane the things that they are capable of doing using this sort of technology. And I could only see AI contributing to that in a positive way. Like, I don't see how that would be, you know, like a like a bad thing. It's like people can make films cheaper if instead of having 20 people coming up with ideas in a writing room, you have like one person in an AI. It's like, I don't think there will ever be zero people because of the fact that AI can, um, you know, crap out some stuff that really sucks. Well, yeah. And I and I also think, like, there's always going to be actors, you know, yeah. like, there's always going to be actors. There's always going to be producers. They just want, like, 20 of each, like, department, I mean. Yeah, I mean, like, possibly. I mean, we have no clue what the result of this is going to be, but I would, if they're using this AI technology, like, I wouldn't think it would be to, like, completely, like, wipe everything out and, like, only use AI. Like, that just sounds ridiculous. Like, you wouldn't be able to form an entire really good movie only using AI. Maybe, especially if it's a cartoon or something like that. Like, maybe you would be able to, Mm -hmm. but um, you would still need some human influence. Like, I, I just... Especially in the near future, like I really don't see that happening. And that's why I'm always thinking of movies and Hollywood in general as like a lot of money laundering is going on because yeah. it's like, what are you, exactly are you doing to like, you can bet on you're going to make over, you know, like $20 million when you put out this movie. Like, yeah, what exactly are you doing for that? Not a whole lot. Like actresses making like $20 million each movie. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I f- just feel like some kind of money laundering is going on. Like, how is Probably. it worth it? I, well, there's it a is... lot of like sketchy stuff going on in Hollywood. I'm oh, sure. Oh, there's a lot of sketchy things going on in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. And just like art in general, like when you see like just a painting, that's just a, um, canvas that somebody just painted red that sold for $30 million. Yeah, it's like, what is that? Yeah. It's obviously money laundering. Well, that's, yeah. that's the thing. Like, it's like, that's not worth that. I yeah. guess maybe to somebody it was, or maybe there was another deal or that we don't know like, about. They do that and then they write it off as taxes, something like that. Something stupid. Yeah. Not exactly money laundering, but basically, you know. Yeah. That's, if, if the average person pulled that same sort of thing, we'd be thrown in a cage, but absolutely. these people get away with it. And it's like people get it's the an- elites in society that get away with stuff all the time. People get annoyed when it's um like one pop song song has like fifty writers on it, but no one cares yeah. when it's a movie. And it's like I, for all you know, like a couple people did all the work, and like the other people were sitting in the room and they're getting paid for it. It's just yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. It, it always seems like it's a lot of people. Do you really need that when you have AI? It, and the other thing is, cutting down the price of a movie should be good for movie people. You. 
make it cheaper and make just as much money when it comes out. People are afraid of change. Yeah. So I think that's That's really like what her comments were about was that it's like, this is this is how it's been. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about AI. Like I said, I'm not incredibly interested in it. Um, but I don't think it would be a wise thing to regulate it. I, you know, I've seen people use it. I think it could be used for many positive and many negative things like any tool. Um, but really it's, it's people fighting. I, for some reason, like AI, cause there's always new technology, right? And like people don't fight most new technology this hard. Like nobody fought the internet this hard. Maybe they did. I don't know. I actually wasn't even, you know, alive in conscious yet, but there are so many like developing technologies that people didn't fight as hard as AI because I think the intelligence, like the word intelligence, I think it's terrifying to people. We've had so many different like dystopian movies and novels created on like robots taking over the world and artificial intelligence. And, and for so long, it seemed like something that was just like off in the distant future, like after we all die. And now that it's finally here and it's finally gaining in popularity and it's finally being used as a tool more widely, um, people are horrified. Like a lot of people are really, really terrified of it. I, I think the main thing that people like her are afraid of, though, are just, um, like you said, change in her industry. She's, she knows how it works. And like soon people will be doing things and they'll be doing less work than well, I had to do. That's not fair. And, and also just that she'll lose her job. And it's those so, type of people are living yes. in a lack mentality. Absolutely. Like, and and that's that's exactly what it is, right? She's afraid of losing her relevancy. She's afraid of becoming obsolete. Yeah, yeah. Obsolete. We don't we don't want to become obsolete. How dare well, because How that's dare the thing. It's like obsolete. I make you know that this this chick probably makes a ton of money and she's afraid of being irrelevant. She's afraid of not making a ton of money. How how um, dare these light bulbs make candles obsolete? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's just it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like people this not is embracing the technological developing. revolution and thinking that this is a horrible idea. This is dangerous. We need to control it. We need to put regulations on it. How about we just embrace the technical technological revolution and find out how to work around it? Yeah, and I think most work people that are are fighting AI just don't understand it. They know nothing about it, and they're like, it just must be bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and like people fight anything even before it was artificial intelligence. Like people fight anything that they think will take their jobs, whether it's yeah. Mexicans moving here or mm-hmm. self checkouts. Yeah. But she goes on. She says, It appears to many of us to be the largest copyright violation in the history of the United States. I sincerely hope you can stop this practice of thievery. Airing some of the same AI concerns that fueled this year's Hollywood strikes. Television showrunner Lilia Zuckerman says of Poker Face, which all I know called that is the Lady Gaga song, so I don't know what that is, said her industry should declare war on what is nothing more than a plagiarism machine before Hollywood is... Oh, the whore, a plagiarism machine. (laughs) It says before Hollywood is co-opted by greedy and craven companies who want to take human talent out of entertainment. Which is kind of silly because, like, no one ever said that. It's like Nikki said, like, there will still need to be humans acting in these movies. And like I said, just because there are probably going to be fewer humans necessary to the making of a movie now doesn't mean there will be zero. Like, if... People love the human element. And definitely when when artificial intelligence or AI becomes more relevant in society, people will still want that human human element. Yeah, I think people so will still want to hear a live musician. 
like this is so relevant when all day I've been thinking about this artist named Tate McRae and I don't like her because she's a pop singer and there's this song that I keep hearing everywhere um, called Greedy by her and I looked it up just because I was like that doesn't even sound like a human like it's like extremely um, you know what's the word um, uh, auto-tuned yeah like in a, to a point I, I didn't even think it was in fashion anymore huh. and um not only that, but I watched her music video for it. I just wanted to see who she was. And she just has, like, no personality. I watched an interview of her. She has no personality. She's extremely popular right now. You know that she was just propped up by, you know, her record label who decided to make a pop star. And it's like, I love pop music. It's not all pop music. It has no soul or anything. But it's obvious to me when there's a new person that comes out and their pop music has no soul. And the thing about it is I... It can be the best song in the world. It's not that it's like a really bad song or anything. It could be the best song in the world. And I will still not listen to it if you can't sell me the personality. Like, that's a huge thing for pop music. I don't know about really as much other genres. Like, people care about the pop music of their other, like, bands or whatever. I mean, the personality of their bands as much. Uh, I don't know. But it's a huge thing in pop music. And it annoys me that people will just, like consume her music because they heard it on tiktok and want to be pop they want to be popular because they listen to mccray like everyone else instead of you know she's not likable she's just not but um she'll probably be popular for a while but she won't be you know like she'll never be britney spears because people love her yeah (laughs) and taylor swift is a similar thing but still honestly not as bad as this chick i'm I'm talking about i also feel like taylor swift fans are like obsessed with her so she must be doing something right like they're obsessed with her personality and whatever they're told to she literally is like the algorithm tells people what to think yeah i mean and i mean yeah people are making money off of people being obsessed with taylor swift she has not made a better song since love story and she's gotten nothing but more popular since then. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't why? even really enjoy that kind of music, so I can't really comment on Taylor Swift too much. But um, but I do. I the thing I respect about her is the fact that she controls, mo- like she manages her own stuff, and mm-hmm. she controls most of like the creation of her own music and like business wise. I think she that's definitely she's, respectable. She, that's the, yeah, like she's know, like story. a real she's a real person, right? It's it it seems like even if people are just because I, I don't know, really buy it. I don't buy that whole story. Like, oh, no really? one ever writes any songs with her. Well, first of all, her songs suck. So, like, okay, you write bad music, but but aside you. from that, I mean, she like she manages her like yeah, no she, one manages themselves. But, so you know she got I mean? already very famous and rich, and then got in a better contract than she had before. It's like that's yeah. not that you know special to me it's like it's not like you've but been no one else is really beginning. doing that though so it kind of is if they can they are but it's like yeah did they get as famous as taylor swift already was with her record label and then do it no they're probably just like still soundcloud rappers or whatever because they didn't already get propped up yeah that's well, the thing about it. it's like it's not as like impressive as if like she had just come up from the bushes so i basically my point was i don't like that genre of music at all i think it's all crap but I think like her her business the business side of it for her at least I thought was like probably her only redeeming quality. Mm-hmm. It, it, exactly, know? it's a in an industry move. where like no one else is doing that, and they're all kind of you know what I mean. It just seems like a I lot of a lot of pop musicians are are catering are owned by the man, so to speak. They they all claim they they don't like big government, and yet they're all owned by the man. I feel like none of them claim that they don't like big government. Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah. yeah, I feel like they don't really comment well, on that. They 
they claim they don't like the man, the rich man, the, the greedy rich man. And that's definitely a good point. They're all greedy rich people here. But like all genres of music, people do that. Like yeah. Rage Against the Machine, you know, is famously. Yeah, yeah well, it's all like fake. Right? Became part <laughs> you of know the what machine. I mean? And um, yeah. I only brought it up to say people will always like, people who like whatever genre they like will always choose something that feels actually human like yeah because this this new girl yeah she is famous and everything it's not gonna last for one thing and for another thing people who actually care about listening to music that is made by a real human will never like her you know so there will always be that market yeah yeah people who are like actual connoisseurs of thing you know like they they appreciate quality right so if her her music is lacking in quality and it's soulless Mm -hmm. yeah people are going to listen to other artists who have more talent and because that's the thing like uh, my common complaint especially with like a lot of like new pop music is it doesn't matter if you're really talented at singing anymore you know Mm -hmm. if if this person is a singer it's like well we can just auto-tune them and like edit this Basically, like, what you have to do is, like, you have to be, like... This is new. Like, this is so auto-tuned. Like, it it wasn't even in fashion be this auto-tuned. The reason I looked her up today is because I couldn't understand what the heck she was saying. And this song is literally so being pushed on everyone. This uh, song I was just bringing up, Greedy by Tate McRae, that I looked it up this morning because my sister was, like, browsing on her phone. And I heard the song Mm -hmm. again. Like, I keep hearing this, like, same part of it. And I was like, what the heck is she saying? So I looked up the lyrics... And then I mentioned it to her. I was like, yeah, when that song popped up on your phone, I looked it up. This is who she is. And like, I, I found out what she looks like and watched an interview. And she was like, I didn't hear that song on my phone. She didn't even notice it. The algorithm oh, is literally so, it's like pushing it. Weird. Wow, that's crazy. I feel like if that's you guys weird. go look up that song and go to the chorus, you'll be like, oh, I've heard this in like the background of like reels. a video or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's, weird. It's like inescapable. It's like subliminal, right subliminal messaging. You know what I mean? Like she didn't even notice that she played the whole yeah. chorus on her phone. Weird. Um, the um article that we're reading, it continues saying, airing some of the same AI concerns that fueled this year's Hollywood strikes, television showrunner Lilia Zuckerman said her industry should declare war on what is nothing more than a plagiarism machine before Hollywood is co-opted by greedy and craven companies, as if Hollywood isn't already like, yeah. you know... Greedy and craven. Yeah. Or co-opted by, by <laughs> yeah. things in control, being taken um, control of by It's you know, literally companies. run and, by a pedophile ring. Like, how can it get worse than this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. interview any, like... Disney Channel child star and they a lot of them will tell you Bella Thorne I I, oh, I really yeah Bella Thorne it, like for the past like so, the second she turned 18 mm-hmm. she like took control of like all of her her like finances and stuff like that mm-hmm. and she was like hey guys I've been being like sexually abused yeah. for the past like since I was a child being a Disney star and and she's one of the only people that she's very outspoken about it and that's why i i was never really like into her as yeah as as, like her in her art um but that was something i really respected because a lot of people are scared to speak out and she's like you've already done the worst things imaginable to me Hmm. i'm telling everyone wow so um and nobody but but i'm sure that's happened to a lot like you think like look at i mean look at a lot of child stars i mean a lot of them don't seem to be doing too yeah. well mentally, and I'm sure that has to do with a lot of the abuse 
that they faced in Hollywood. I mean, like Lindsay Lohan. I can't think of the other it's, chick I'm thinking I'm of. I'm sure it's but... also the publicity they're forced to endure, too. Oh, the, yeah. The push I'm sure to they're... succeed. Yeah. And... You're Britney right. Britney Spears, there's... yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably a ton of factors. And push to, like, work all the time, like Britney Spears. Um, but this woman, you know, she's a television showrunner, whatever that really means, just wants to make more money off of that type of stuff. So she wants AI to be regulated. 603-283-6160. We're going to get into more of your calls and thoughts when we come back. Um, It's Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. More coming up. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, You are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. that you control and 603-283-6160 is the phone number you can call to get in on the conversation with us 603-283-6160 and with you in the studio tonight it's me bonnie riley and nikki and let's just go right to your phone calls and thoughts you have we have dave ridley here of dave i mean sorry no it's ridleyreport.com the other day captain said dave (laughs) ridley.com um what's on your mind Ridley? uh uh, actually, for once, I have something to talk about that's not New Hampshire, but it's related to New Hampshire because it's a Mark Edge thing. Oh, okay. oh what is it? So apparently, uh, the 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 the, the, uh, the authoritarian press has vindicated Mark Edge's arguments by writing an, a hit piece against Mark's pet project. Really? Mm-hmm. The AP said. So this is. This is the Zetas or the Special Economic Zones yeah. in Honduras. Oh, and, wow. Uh, so they're so, they're doing a hit piece on them already? Yeah, there's a publication in the U.K. that's losing its mind because there might be, you know, a, a few square miles of freedom on Roatan Island. <laughs> oh, how horrible. Mm. How horrible. Uh, we can't have freedom. So, is Roatan the one with Prospera on it? Well, yeah, Prospera is connected to Roatan. I don't know where Utila is, actually. I haven't been following this that closely. You know, I was kind of skeptical. You know, Mark keeps talking about this, and I wasn't paying much attention. But nothing gets gets me on Mark's side like having the media denounce him, right? Yeah, exactly. So what they said in this article was, quote, "If, if special economic zones could be established all over the world, complete with low taxes and corporate-friendly regulation, 
investment could be sucked out of social democratic states and into these free market paradises. <laughs> wow, you don't say. It's almost like that's it, more appealing to the majority like, of people. It's almost like people like free markets and free minds and freedom. Huh. <laughs> Who would have thought? The other quote that, that, that I loved was this quote. Senator Elizabeth Warren and 33 other Democrat representatives wrote a letter denouncing, unquote. Wow, she's wow. after yeah. anything that Ian and Mark like. That's crazy. She's after crypto, too. Um, so, again, this is not all Mark, but he's just, you know, he's just yeah. part of it. Uh, but Prospera is something, you know, that we, you know, it's, you know it's, it's popped up on my radar a few times, and Mark has talked about it quite a bit, and it has some history. Roatan Island really does go back, you know, decades. It's a it's a successful place in a hellhole, and it has been for decades. You know, a lot of expats there. They they uh, bring bring their money there for you know a, a place where it will where it will go further. Uh, but Honduras is just it, it, what have they got to lose? It is such a nightmare. What have they got to lose by having an area, you know, a few square miles here and there? where there's no, not as much crime and, and there's a little bit more prosperity. I just don't understand the, the capacity for people to, to try and say no to the wind. And it's crazy because, um, as Mark Edge will tell you, like people who are from Honduras who go to the Zetes to work, um, and it seems like cheap to the expats that are employing them, they're like, wow, this is amazing for, you know, the Hondurans that get these opportunities to work at these places because they're making way more money than they could just like, you know, doing whatever they'd be doing in Honduras otherwise. And the economy is going to flourish because there's a lot more freedom. It's nothing but good for the people who live there. Now, there is, uh, so I guess I should, I've kind of buried the lead here. The reason they did a story on this is because, so the, um, the Prospera organization and or Peter Thiel, a former PayPal fame, I guess they're suing an international court because the Honduran government is trying to renege on the previous agreements, you know, that were signed by a previous Honduras, Honduras government. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the lawsuit is what is what has triggered this, this media coverage. Um, and also, and here's where the, here's where the, the, the authoritarian, this authoritarian press, uh, article where it does, I, you know, you think you want to listen to your enemies and, and see if they're ever right. And they could be, they do, they are on, they do raise one legitimate concern. And that is that the Zetas were, I think the Zetas were uh, signed into law during uh, a Honduran administration that came to power in a military coup backed by the United States. So hmm. that government signed that agreement wasn't super legitimate. Uh, so that that I can see I can see kind of where they're coming from and in that sense does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. But at the same time, you know, there's there's still freedom in these ZAs. So why worry about it? Yeah, I mean, if, if it's work, if it worky, no fixie. And there's not somebody, you know, like trying to take over all of Honduras or any other country. Yeah, it seems like these people are kind of just trying to like exist and mind their own business, right? Or like the businesses that are there. And it's such a small little area. Like, And, and yeah. your question, I, I mean, I didn't answer earlier, Dave, because I don't know exactly, but I know that Utila, which is Mark's, um, the island that Mark's little area is on because he doesn't own all of Utila, is right by Rotan. You can just like take a boat there. I don't know, left, I mean, west or east or whatever, but it's all in the same like water. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, backhanded compliment from the uh, from the lapdog media. 
and we'll see where this goes. We can pray for we can pray for the safety and legal safety of uh, Roatan Island. Thank you so much for the call, Dave Ridley. It's really fascinating what's going on down there on Roatan and Prospera. Well, I guess Prospera's on Roatan, I'm pretty sure, and Utila. And there's even a couple on the mainland there in Honduras. Um, and yeah, there was some recent stuff that happened um, after the government kind of acted like it was going to get rid of, renege on their agreements to have Zetes. There was a congressional... Um, timeline like i don't know what you call it but like session season and it closed it ended without them making an official decision on something on that so they might have actually um lost their time lost their uh deadline to be able to do anything about the ZA. so i think that they're safe for now i don't know all those details maybe mark could call in about it sometime soon i know mark is bored right now like <laughs> I don't know, he just seems. He could bored. come visit. He yeah, could come he could visit. come visit us. Um, six zero three two eight three six one six zero. If there's anything you want to bring up, I feel kind of bad sometimes. We just talk about things that, like, if somebody just tuned in, they don't know what we're talking about. Mark, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark is a uh, one of the people who founded Free Talk Live with Ian Freeman, and he lives in Florida now, but he is on the show sometimes, and I think that he should be a remote host sometime soon. I think so, too, because we always get, like, old-school Free Talk Live listeners that just, like, really miss hearing him. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. I miss hearing him, hearing him too. I mean, I may not always agree with him, but he he's he's a pretty cool guy. It's <laughs> kind of funny how you said that. <laughs> 603-283-6160 is the phone number. Somebody can call in if they want to bring anything up. Tell us how much you love Mark and hate us. Yeah. Six zero three two eight three six one six zero. His opinion might be trash sometimes, oh, yeah. but we still love him. <laughs> this is what Free Talk Live is all about: free speech, man. He's yeah. the um, conservative dad of Free Talk Live. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> not really a conservative. Like, I mean, he seems like a total hippie compared, compared to, like, to well, serious conservative. But like compared to us, yeah, yeah. It, um, this article we were talking about was also from the APnews.com that um, I think Dave Ridley called authoritarian press news. Um, I didn't catch that. That's pretty funny. They're usually pretty bad, but and, and they're kind of bad in this one, too. They seem slanted against AI, but they're trying to um, make the case, or not? they're really not trying to make a case, but they're saying that some people want, especially artists, want AI to be regulated. And this article that we had already gotten into, it continues and says, while most commenters, they're commenting on, oh, wait, I skipped a paragraph. So it says the music industry is also threatened by AI, said Nashville-based country songwriter Mark Beeson, who's penned tunes for Carrie Underwood and Garth Brooks. Hmm. Beeson said AI has potential to do good, but in some ways, it's like a gun in the wrong hands with no parameters in place for its use. It could do irreparable harm to one of the last true American art forms. Oh, my gosh. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. I mean, you could say that about anything. People people will be like, oh, guns are dangerous or whatever. I could hit you with my car. I think he's making the point that a gun is just a tool he's saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. in the right yeah, hand it's fine but in the wrong hand but yeah he's, you could say that about country music too you know yeah. what i mean like country, <laughs> you know for people that hate country music i mean like that's you know could be a torture technique uh-huh. it <laughs> definitely could be in the wrong hands 
I have like some random weird country things that are like my like guilty pleasures and I will listen to them and Carrie Underwood is definitely some of that but for yeah. the most part it's terrible I don't even no, I, I love country music I don't even have <laughs> one male country music song I like I don't think. oh I love yeah I know I'm a big big country girl I like the song Neon Moon by um that, that Garth Brooks guy I think mm-hmm. but I only like it when it's sang by Casey Musgraves then it's awesome Okay. It says, well, most commenters, which it's talking about people commenting on giving comments and their opinions to the Copyright Office of the federal government. Most commenters were individuals. Their concerns were echoed by big music publishers. Universal Music Group called the way AI is trained ravenous and poorly controlled as well as author groups and news organizations, including the New York Times and the Associated Press. Wow. So, okay, the Associated Press is definitely biased. It says so right there. (laughs) Um, Is it fair use? Well, leading tech companies like Microsoft, Google, and ChatGPT maker OpenAI are telling the Copyright Office is that their training of AI models fits into the fair use doctrine that allows for limited uses of copyrighted materials, such as for teaching research or transforming the copyrighted work into something different the american ai industry is built in part on the understanding that the copyright act does not proscribe the use of copyrighted material to train generative ai models says a letter from meta platforms the parent company of facebook instagram and whatsapp the purpose of ai training is to identify patterns across a broad body of content and not to extract or reproduce individual works it added that makes a lot of sense. If one thing you're allowed to do with AI is transform copyrighted work into something different, then I don't see why copy or AI is bad. It's yeah, what's like, the problem then? It's not it's like just, it takes something and makes it exactly the same. It's just making something different with, with the artwork. Yeah. I mean, like, people have been doing that for years with, like, sampling stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that was very common. and. And a lot of the samples, I mean, they they say like a good sample is when you like when it's unrecognizable, right? Hmm. And like that's like when I listen to like some Wu Tang Clan songs and stuff, I've had to go on like mad searches to find out what the sample they used was, and then hmm. it's always like very like satisfying, like oh, it's this song, like this is what the sample came from. But it, you could use the same thing with AI. Like I don't see. What the issue is, it's just, it's a tool. It's a, how is it different than like some, you know, music producer doing that same thing and, and coming up with a song using samples and, and whatever, like taking other people's art and transforming it into something different. Especially I mean, if it's something better. Like, yeah, I exactly. never knew that um, Kanye West's Stronger was actually a Daft Punk song first. Yeah. Um, well, at least it samples it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard it playing the Daft Punk song in the Moose Mart, and I was like, what the? Whoa, yeah, did better, they faster, copy? stronger. Yeah, did they copy Kanye West? And then I looked it up, <laughs> and I was like, whoa, I yeah. did not know that. No, Just, so um, Kanye West has used a yeah, lot of samples. Yeah, he's like famous samples. for sampling, but I didn't yeah. think of that because yeah, it he makes sounds his like own it's music. his voice. Like, yeah. I just thought it was his voice saying it, yeah. and then one day I hear that, and I was like, wow, well, it, it's they're but, both good but songs, but I'm sorry, Kanye West says one better, and two, it got more popular, it made him more. Yeah, money, yeah, so. of course. Um, and and like some of the, I mean, Kanye West has used like Otis Redding and like a lot of like older music, mm-hmm. and then he takes that like old school style of music so that much like better. Well, exactly. Like, in in your opinion, right? Yeah, but like for like someone's grandma 
they might like Otis Redding better. They might be like, oh, that's Kanye West rap trash. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but, but, but my for... point is a bit more just like the world deserves to have this thing yeah. that may be taken from something else, but people like it more than the original. Yeah. Like the like I, I feel like that song was just basically all of 2008. Like it was everywhere. Like everyone liked it. Yeah. And other people might have never even heard of not that Daft Punk is like not very famous. They were, but um, they might have never heard of that song or heard of them at all. And then they like the Kanye West song. And then Daft Punk's is is going to get some recognition yeah, exactly. because of it. it. It's not for necessarily example. always going to be a bad thing yeah. for the artist that was sampled. If anything, I mean, if if Kanye West is using my song to sample and and create new music, that is super flattering. You yeah, know what I mean? Definitely. Oh, I agree. I think it's really flattering if someone can take a sample of what you've done and put it in their music. But you know what sucks about him? He doesn't feel flattered that that, um, South Park used his... A likeness to make the gay fish joke. He's That's mad about bad. that still. Um, I, I think a lot of people are not super thrilled when I South Park uses their likeness. I don't care what they said about me. I would love it. I, I yeah. don't care if they made like so much fun If of you me. were like the Snooki Yeah, rap. I don't care. It would be so funny. I mean, okay, that was pretty bad, the Snooki one. But like they called Kim Kardashian a hobbit. I don't care. They can call me hobbit. But it would be great if as soon as you got on South Park, it doesn't matter that they're making fun of you. It would be so fun. And um, <laughs> people seem to lose lose sight of that when they're getting made fun of if they have a terrible ego like yeah. Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> it says going on, it says so far, courts have largely sided with tech companies and in interpreting how copyright laws should treat AI systems. And it sounds pretty cut and dry to me from what we heard from Meta it says in a defeat for visual artists, a federal judge in San Francisco last month dismissed much of the first big lawsuit against AI image generators, though allowed some of the case to proceed. Most tech companies cite as precedent Google's success in beating back legal challenges to its online book library. Uh, I don't know what that means. The U.S. Supreme Court in 2016 let stand lower court rulings that rejected authors' claim that Google's digitizing of millions of books and showing snippets of them to the public amounted to copyright infringement. I, I never even heard of Google's book library and their digitizing of yeah, millions of books. Yeah, I don't know what books. that is. Yeah. It, I, I'm thinking it's the library that they created so you can get an oh, e-book from them. I, I think I just oh, realized what okay. it is. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Sometimes when you look up a book that's old enough, you could, you could read it right there in images on Google search. Maybe that's what it is. I just didn't know it was a book library. That's possible. Like if you look up um, a book that's already past copyright date, well, I don't know why would they be claiming this, this if it was only those? I don't know. It might be some that they just give a snippet of, like it said, if they are not too old. But usually the ones I see are really old books. It says that's a flawed comparison, argued former law professor and best-selling romance author Heidi Bond, who writes under the pen name Courtney Milan. Bond said that she agrees that fair use encompasses the right to learn from books, but Google Books obtained legitimate copies held by libraries and institutions, whereas many AI developers are scrapping works of writing through outright piracy. And I just don't know how that's possible. Like, that takes so much energy from for the AI generator people to go and pirate images instead of, like, just getting it off the internet, like, letting yeah. it crawl on the internet and grab it like i don't know that just seems like she's just being hyperbolic to try to get her way yeah Yeah. it seems like she just doesn't know how this works 
says Perlmutter's, and that's the copyright office head lady, said this is what copyright office is trying to help sort out. Oh, yeah, the government just wants to help. Uh, Certainly this differs in some respects from the Google situation, Perlmutter said. Whether it differs enough to rule out the fair use defense is the question in hand. And that's the end of that article. Um, I just wanted to bring that in because, you know, um, it's kind of funny how many stories there are online when you're looking that are just like groups of people asking the government to regulate this and that. And they don't realize how bad that is for the economy just because they don't care because it would be good for them. At least they think because they can't think creatively and use their imagination enough to think about how they could instead just use this tool to actually help themselves make more money. Well, you know, people love the tyrants, despots and thieves calling themselves government because they feel safe. True. They feel safe that someone else is going to do their dirty work for them. Well, yep. and they like using it as a weapon against other people, right? Oh, which yeah. is really what, what this is. is. Yeah, it's uh, this. This isn't to protect anyone. This is to use the state as a weapon against anyone who wants to utilize AI technology. It's to get AI technology out of the hands of regular everyday people and give it to only the government and, like, the Elon Musks of the world. That's exactly what they are trying to do, whether they know it or not. This this institution of violence is all about control, and it's all about not helping you develop your skills. It's all about control. It's all about giving the control to the elites and the most powerful so the parasitic ruling class can feel safe knowing that they're saving somebody. And I know that when I was like in school, the parasitic um, ruling class you're talking about called the government that is also um, giving you what you're supposed to learn in public school because it's, you know, public. So it's part of the government, um, thieves and despots. They're always trying to paint themselves as this group that without them, the little people couldn't survive. But in reality, they're always doing what Riley is saying, um, making it to where the little people are not able to ever overcome the wealth and power of the people that use the government as a weapon and are already the most wealthy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and and I think in this case, it's like trying to trick people into, instead of learning how to use this possibly very valuable tool to advance themselves and to possibly make some more money. Yeah. Um, it's tricking them into thinking like, no, this is going to be bad for you. This is going to steal business from you. It's like, no. And that's the same thing with like coming from, a, you know, a space of like scarcity and fear. fighting fear, fighting the tide. It's like, just go with the flow and you'll be so much better off. But the more people fight these things and the more fear people hold within themselves, like this is what happens. And this is why we have this massive tyrannical government is because people were so scared and they wanted to pass their own control and power over to someone who would protect them. And they wanted to take freedom away from other people because they were scared of freedom. And now, I mean, we're in this giant mess. And I think that the only reason that we could continue get to get here or to continue to go this direction where people believe that they need the government is from school like that's why mm-hmm. i brought that up that in school they always paint themselves that way mm-hmm. um in public school at least they they want you to think that you need them you gotta pledge allegiance to a piece of cloth every day yeah the yeah. Um, flag of the united states of america corporation so creepy i yeah. bring it up because nikki brought in an article um that's saying apparently homeschooling is becoming much more popular 
Yeah, so this is actually from Reason. Oh. Homeschooling has increased by over 50% since 2018. In some states, homeschooling has climbed by over 100%. Well, wow. Homeschooling has ballooned since the advent of the pandemic, growing by more than 100% in some states, according to new data from the Washington Post. While the number of children being homeschooled has declined slightly from its pandemic-era peak, the growth in the education, the educational option has proven s- stable and dramatic. The Post collected data from 32 states as well as the District of Columbia in 7,000 school districts, a data set comprising around two-thirds of, a nation's, of the nation's school children. Nationally, since, 2017, since the 2017-2018 school year, Homeschooling has increased by 51%, hmm. while private schooling has only increased by 7%. So this is not only are people taking their kids out of public school, is that they're opting for homeschooling over private schooling. So which which I think is huge because, yes, I, I'm mainly against public government indoctrination centers for children. Um, but I also think it's really powerful to bring children back into the home and to restore that connection of the family, like between parents and children. I think so too. Yeah, I think and that's very powerful. I think that's very important. But, you know, there is that concern that, you know, culty institutions can indoctrinate their children, except it's already happening with the so called government. Yeah. Yep. So, based on the available data, the Post estimated that there are now between 1.9 and 2.7 million homeschooled children in the United States. But many states and districts saw truly staggering growth in their homeschooling population. Notably, many of these places had schools that were closed the longest during the pandemic. D.C. and New York both saw homeschooling increases of more than 100 percent, while California saw an increase of 78 percent. Nice. I didn't know California had really easy to homeschool laws. It's probably pretty difficult there. 603-283-6160. You can call in with whatever's on your mind. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. is the phone number you can call to get in on the conversation with us, 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And I'm going to go right into your phone calls and thoughts. We have Creighton on the line in Kentucky. Creighton, what's on your mind? Hi, I wanted to call in because I I learned today that uh, uh, Gert Weidler, one of the uh, politicians in the Netherlands, just won in a vote in the Netherlands to be the Dutch prime minister. And who's he? Um, well, he is the leader of a 
so-called conservative party. Mm. Um, it, the name of it, I can't pronounce, but it translates as Freedom Party. And uh, as you can imagine, anything like that would be considered very far right from the European perspective. But yeah. uh, I find it most telling that in addition to what happened on Sunday with the the guy in Argentina winning the presidency down there. Yeah, Javier uh, Malay. Yes. I can't even pronounce I can't pronounce that very well either. <laughs> um but I looked into it and I was like, what's going on here? It just seems kind of strange all of a sudden. And I realized that both of these countries banned the use of electronic voting machines hmm. and strongly suppresses any kind of voting that does not involve a wow. human being in person. Interesting. Wow. That is interesting. I mean, I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, I don't either. <laughs> that that seems like it, it's cause and effect there. But uh, was this um, recent that they got banned? I honestly, I can't tell you how recent that was for the Netherlands. Mm. Um, I believe it was just in the past two years. Wow. That it was for Argentina. That is really surprising. That is really Not interesting. About they did. I want. I mean, that sounds but, uh, correlated to me. <laughs> I see a, a wonderful trend here. I just wanted to bring it up, and I don't know if it came up yet earlier today or not. Well, thank you so much. I didn't hear about that. It, it does seem like um, people are really mad in the Netherlands, like farmers. There were huge protests of farmers. Yeah. Um, I can't even remember what it was about, but they wanted to regulate people's farms. Do you remember? Yeah. Didn't they want to like kill all the animals, like all the livestock? I think that was a livestock ban. I can't remember. What? Well, that wasn't their official reason. Their official reason is that they were complying with uh, carbon. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. They're they're trying to comply with the carbon rules and kill off livestock. Yeah. That's terrible. That's it's just terrible. like ridiculous to say that like cows are bad for the environment. It's just like okay, it it's doesn't a joke. Even, even if it was true, it doesn't justify killing cows. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're going to kill them anyways, right? But to yeah, waste but it's like to we yeah people's they, property like. Yeah, yeah, your property and stuff like. Well, that's the take, thing. It's like if you're going to do to them. Yeah, like if it's your if you're a farmer, you deserve to like choose when you're going to harvest your livestock and what you know? to do with it instead of just killing it and yeah, giving it to the government or whatever. And plus, they might weird. not be killing all their cows. Some of them could be dairy cows that aren't going to get eaten. Yeah. Anything else, well, Creighton? Regardless, the, the point of view is is that really isn't about the cows themselves. It's about the idea that the Dutch. People do not have the right to earn themselves a living yeah. in mm. any traditional way. And it, it's surprising. Uh, Usually things like that happen. And then the st- states you're talking about, whether it's California or a state in you know the EU, they do something really terrible that um, is like more and more tyranny and like going, it seems more left wing. And then usually it just seems like, oh, they just keep voting in the same terrible people over and over again. But I guess if you take away their electronic voting machines, that doesn't happen. Now does it? Maybe not. Thank you for your Maybe call. Maybe there's hope. Creighton, that's really interesting. Um, I always wonder about that. Like, I hear people talk, fighting really hard about these electronic voting machines, and there is talk of possibly banning them in New Hampshire. Um, and definitely I'd be on the side of um, ban electronic voting machines. I don't know if I'd agree with you, Bonnie, because, I mean, there, there are definitely problems with voting machines... Especially if you can't audit the software and and find out how the vote is actually going. And that's what I mean, just closed source. So, 
as a blind person, if I'm voting, a voting machine can help me really work through the ballot and do independent voting so I can cast my ballot independently and not have someone read it to me. Yeah, but you could be, they could make um, something that is open source. And I has, agree with you on that. And they yeah. should make something open source. But let's not talk about banning voting machines. Let's talk about pushing for open source solutions instead of ban voting machines. Yeah, I, I guess I misspoke yeah. when I said electronic voting machines. I just mean, like, I don't care if it's on a screen or on a physical piece of paper. I just want it to be actually possible to well, audit it. A lot of people also don't like the mail-in yeah. ballots. I, yeah. And I think I think a lot of these things maybe um, just have you know more space for um, not like fraud, but you know what I mean for like things being miscounted. Yeah, but I mean voting's a joke, anyways. So if you don't have to leave your house to do it, then it's really ripe for somebody to just send in a whole bunch. So I don't yeah, I really. So. Um, well, we saw that right. weren't wasn't there like. There was that meme where it was like the sudden spike in Vi- Biden votes because of the mail-in ballots or whatever. I honestly like I know never know what to believe when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't either. It could just be right-wing pop- propaganda, so I don't necessarily um, remember that, but I would believe it too. Six zero three two eight three six one six zero. Had to look at it for a second. Is the number for you to call? We're going to move on to another caller. Screen unscreened caller. What's on your mind? It's Tom. Now, you may know the war between the states was not started over slavery, but it did take a bloody war to emancipate the slaves in some states. In Maryland, slaves were emancipated by using ballots in a referendum in 1864. Meanwhile, in Virginia, slaves were being emancipated by using bullets uh, because so many states were overrun with crazy, deranged depraved, degenerate, selfish, greedy potholes who convinced themselves that the skin color that they were born with made them somehow superior to persons born with darker skin. Now, this country is overrun with crazier people who convinced themselves that the place where they were born makes them superior to persons born outside certain lines on the map. What is it going to take to open the borders? Well, thank you for your call, Um, Tom. I don't know what it's going to take to, I don't know what it's going to take to open borders. Um, I I think it has to change. People have to change. People have to realize that these arbitrary geographical lines on a, on a map aren't going to make a difference. And I think the conservative people, especially need to realize that, you know, open borders aren't the problem. The welfare system controlled by the parasitic yeah. ruling class is the problem. If you're so concerned about open borders because someone's going to steal your gerb or whatever, then... But you keep voting in um, and, you know, supporting people that claim to be GOP or whatever. Yeah, but they're, really, they're still they're in just, your jobs regardless. They're just yeah. getting the state bigger and bigger and making more welfare. It never, um, you know, scales down. And then you're probably part of the problem. And the other thing is just listening to all this stupid conspiracy crap that they hear. There are always stories that people will bring up that are like 10 hundred million um, illegals from the most dangerous city in Honduras are on their way up here right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like and so stupid. I know, it's true. so much fear mongering. And, and I'm not going to lie, this is going to be mean. Normally, normally I try not to be too 
explicitly mean. But whenever I see someone post on Twitter or Facebook that's just like complete like anti-immigrant pop- propaganda, like, oh, our borders, blah, blah, blah. I lose so much yeah. respect for them, especially if yeah. they're like a, so like, like a libertarian leaning person. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I lose so much respect for them. Like you are seriously buying this crap. You could have posted anything on Twitter. You could be focusing your energy and your attention on anything and you, you're focusing it on this fear-mongering garbage. Like, listen to this crap. Ian and I went to this, um, it was a Republican group in New Hampshire that were running a We Want to Secede from the Union petition signing party. Yeah. So Ian and I went to go see what it was all about. And I figured it would be some crap like this. But Ian was like, we should go see anyway. And we went. And there was this one lady he was interviewing. He likes to interview people that are in favor of secession. They don't have to be a libertarian. But this lady wasn't. But um, she said a lot of good stuff. And then right at the end, Ian asked, so what is the most important issue to you? Like, what is the most egregious thing the federal government has done in New Hampshire that makes you think we should leave? And she said, the illegal immigrants, there are some in, in my town. In New Hampshire? Town. Yeah, right. Like that's wow. In New Hampshire. <laughs> oh, are they Canadian? Yeah, right. Like, like I mean, like, I hear Spanish sometimes. We couldn't get and, any like, further away from Mexico unless we were in Maine. Yeah. Yeah. And or Alaska. Just, it's yeah. just stupid, like, that it's some kind of problem. Like, there's not, like, a bunch of um, people who are illegal aliens, quote-unquote, from Mexico, and then they're killing people in no, New No, literally, it's I'm going to tell you right now. She this... said she saw some in her town. Oh, she saw some? Did she know they were illegal? Literally, <laughs> right. this woman Did was she racist. she papers? Yeah. yeah, she was just she racist. She saw a Hispanic person and was like, the illegals! How else How else would a Hispanic person get to the United States? <laughs> yeah. Are you ridiculous. kidding me? Yeah, yeah like, yeah, there are Hispanic oh people. God. I know you live in New Hampshire and you don't see very many people of any sort of anything else besides white but like I don't know what her race was she actually wasn't white but it yeah. was just freaking weird like she it's just, like how do you know American. they're illegal yeah like yeah, how, how do you does know? she know they're legal she said she saw some and I it's saw just like, some you know, I, I could just tell like, they had an accent just like the <laughs> idea that that is the most egregious yeah right issue in the United States and that's why I was like I didn't want to go to this event to begin with and I forgot my kratom it was like Bonnie's like we have ever. to go no oh leave <laughs> no yeah leave yeah sorry leave I should have been more uh I should have been more clear Ian yeah. was like we have to go um he was uh, he's always dragging me to things like that anyway but it's fun I, I I get to ride in the car with him or whatever moving on oh yeah we have more to this article about homeschooling yeah, so um so yeah, we were talking about the increase in homeschooling. It seems like it's anywhere from 50 to over 100%. Um the article also says that in Brooklyn, homeschooling in the borough's school districts saw increases that ranged from anywhere from 197% in New York. Yeah, in Brooklyn specifically. Whoa. That's crazy. From uh, 197% to 492%. Though the total number number of homeschoolers still remained under a thousand students per district, hmm. um, but like percentage wise, that's it's pretty high. It was just so um, small before. Yeah. So the growth has helped transform homeschooling into a racially and ideologically diverse movement. So like previously, you thought like, oh, if you're homeschooling, either you're like some sort of religious freak, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be like maybe like a rich white person. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's kind of becoming more accessible. You know with the internet i mean you can literally homeschool your kids with internet programs a lot of them are free um i follow this woman 
Um, she has an awesome podcast about unschooling. Um, I wish I could think of, think of what it was called, but she is a black woman from a suburb in Texas, and that's what she kind of tries to break down some of these stereotypes. Hmm. She's like, no, like, yeah, black families and Hispanic families and, you know, like families of other, you know, like races and cultures absolutely can homeschool, uh, which it seems like ridiculous to me. I'm like, of course, you don't have to be like a rich white person to homeschool. But like a lot of people just have these common misconceptions. Right. So, um, yeah. Or just like they feel like, oh, it's not normal. So my kids won't be normal like the other kids that look like them. So yeah. It's like, like it's not culturally acceptable. Right. So if you're so in a great thing, she's yeah. doing to like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I even have seen people who their whole like Instagram, their whole advocacy for their personality that they put on Instagram is I'm black and I go hiking. And when I first started seeing that, I was like, what does that even mean? And that's a, a little interesting. I'm black yeah. and I go, who cares? But, but that's well, the thing because like, that's, that's like a saying. white person thing. It's like, I'm black that's and I go, I go jogging. You know what I mean? Like that is such like a white person suburban mom thing, right? Yeah, apparently that's like, I never thought about it. I never would have thought like black people don't go hiking. But whenever I saw those things start popping up, I was like, well, that's really interesting. They're trying to like change people's minds about it because apparently... Uh, according to these people, they say that a lot of black people they know are like completely either just turned off by it, like that's a white person thing to do, yeah. or they're afraid to go out in the uh, wilderness where they think it's like yeah. only you know. I can't say the word on the air. Like I can't think of a word. Rednecks, rednecks, yeah. or something like that. And so it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um. So I I found uh, just really quick. I found the podcast that I was talking about. Oh. It's called Fair of the Free Child. Hmm. Um, and she also wrote a book. Her name is Akila Richards. Um, awesome podcast about homeschooling, unschooling specifically, and how like her family's transition from like realizing public school isn't working for our family. Like her kids were just really like emotionally dysregulated because of the way public schools are ran. I think a lot of people's children are like that. Hmm. And the choices she made to make homeschooling very accessible for for her and her family. So I I highly recommend that. Fair of the Free Child podcast. So since you mentioned it, we didn't define unschooling. Unschooling is basically child-directed learning. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Riley. So according to data analyzed by The Post, homeschooled students were three quarters white in okay so so three quarters of homeschooled children were white in 2019 by the summer of 2023 less than half were white homeschool parents are now roughly evenly split between conservatives and liberals while those homeschooling before the pandemic overwhelmingly identified as republicans such a rapid growth in the number of in the number and diversity of homeschooling families indicates that more and more of American parents are dissatisfied with their children's education in traditional public schools and deciding to take matters into their own hands. Families who chose homeschooling less for ideological reasons and more for matters of circumstance in what meets the needs of their child in the present moment will help change our conception of what it means to be a homeschooler. Um, however, not everyone is so excited about these changes. Hmm. Policymakers should think, wow, this is a lot of kids. Elizabeth Bartholet, and a professor at Harvard Law School, told The Post, we should worry whether they're learning anything. What a joke. 
I can tell you right now, many of these parents don't have any understanding of education added one school board member. Wow. The price wow. will be very big to us and to society. And that's but exactly, that won't show up for a few years. That's exactly the type of rhetoric that and yeah. it was racist um, against the Irish people mm-hmm. that got public school started to begin with. People were saying like Irish people are coming here from Ireland and they're too stupid to homeschool their own kids. So we need a public school system in, yeah. in Massachusetts. And that's where it started. So wow. and also like we we all know on this show, right? We talk about this frequency, all of the downfalls of public school, how they are quite literally failing children. Yep, they're fun- so, tw- 20% of people coming out of public school are functionally illiterate. Yeah. Mm. So I mean like that in and of itself is like, okay, Crazy. this is a complete failure. So so let's let me just paint a picture really quick of how, you know, public schools work. So you have these giant classrooms, usually around 30 children in one classroom, and then you have maybe one or two teachers that is in charge of 30 kids. Sometimes some, you know, if you you live in a more rural area, maybe a smaller school, whatever, classroom size might be like 15, but the teacher is still drastically outnumbered by these students, right? So they're using a cookie cutter curriculum, and any child that finishes their schoolwork quickly or is is bored by the material they are essentially like like it, it's it's a situation where you're only as strong as the weakest link so what often happens is these home in, in these public school systems is every children has different interests they have different um things that they want to learn about um they have different learning styles but they're being forced to learn in this one size fits all model. And then um, if they finish their work early or if they're um, very proficient in something and like they can learn, it doesn't take very long to teach a child how to do something. It only takes a few hours to teach a lot of these concepts. Right. Yeah. But for some reason we have our kids in school for eight hours a day. And a lot of that, that time is, is time wasting, right? So they're waiting in line to go to the bathroom. Mm. They're, they're doing all of these, you know, like in between They're waiting for other kids stuff. to finish they're, the test. They're waiting for other kids. And then they're just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. And then they get sent to detention because they're bored. And they get in trouble bored. if they're waiting. Yeah. So it's like uh, there's so much wasted time in public school. And a lot of homeschooling families, they're only teaching their kids like like the curriculum for a few hours a day and then the rest of the children's day is spent doing self-directed learning so it's not like the kids are are not learning anything they are just learning what they are interested in but i do want to go to the phones because we have david in new mexico online david what's on your mind well, that's tough. Nikki, lose that top knot. Are you trying to be a sumo wrestler? Oh, my God. This is uh, Radio You Can Troll, remember? What are you, and, a uh, fashion expert? I also, am. like 98.9% oh, <laughs> of our people are not looking at the live yeah. stream. Can you so. get me in Vogue magazine, David? I didn't know. I, I didn't know I can, you were I can. Yeah, I can. I happen to own that magazine. <laughs> yeah. What did you, you actually know that? I was about? trying to... I was trying to keep that a secret, but uh, you forced it out of me there, there Bonnie. And uh, hey, that, uh, that Cretan from Kentucky, I suspect that Cretan from Kentucky is actually a Cretan from Alabama. I think that's Alabama man. Why? Huh? By, by his voice. I sound like Alabama man that you always hear on Kotex uh, Radio, that bloody mm. mess radio out of, uh, out of uh, Golden Showers, Arizona. Oh. Is, that, is that you? Is that you, Alabama man? That sounds like you. But, but actually, uh, uh, when Alabama man calls your show, 
he really intelligent when he call uh, Cotex Radio, Bloody Mouse Radio, out of uh, Golden Showers, Arizona. Then, then uh, well, he's actually he's talking more lately. Uh, but he didn't talk so much. He, he just was uh, trolling, you know, like talk radio, you can troll. But uh, anyway, Alabama man sounded very, 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 very intelligent when he called uh, Free Talk Live. Is that what he talks like? <laughs> Are you doing a voice? No, 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 no. I, I'm, I, I'm my own self. Uh, he's his own self. I, I'm, a, I'm a poor black man from New Mexico. And Alabama man, he's a, he's a, a, a white man. I don't know if he's rich or poor, but he's a white man from uh, Alabama. Well, thank you for the call, David. It would be interesting if Creighton has other, um, what's the word, like... All, like, alter egos? Yeah, on, on other... When different he calls personas? Into different, uh, stations, um, but I, I have no idea. I, and tell I, us I doubt, all about it. Yeah, I doubt he, he does. Maybe he can call in tomorrow, yeah, and tell us all about it. I, I have no idea. I can't help David well, with that. Well, it sounds like David's trolling Free Talk Live. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and once again. Apparently he's going to get me into Vogue magazine. Um. Yeah, well... Going back to this subject about the homeschoolers. So before we go on, I want to say that I was educated in a public school. Um, I had a had a teacher to teach me Braille and things like that growing up. But and, and teachers are willing to make accommodations in the classroom to help me succeed. But at the same time, you know, it's hard to be in a classroom of 20, 30, 35, 40 students when I have to get Braille textbooks and hmm. things like that. And have more concepts explained to me. So it, it's a little harder going through public school. 603-283-6160. Maybe you can call in and tell us about your experiences. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. the phone number for you to call to get in on the conversation. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And in the last segment, we were talking about homeschooling and talking about these people who obviously work for these um, parasitic jobs where they are part of school boards, but they want to let you know that most parents don't know the first thing about educating their own children, so we should make sure that lawmakers are paying attention yeah. to how many people I, are. I think parents hopefully would know more about educating their children than a school board. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of uh, it's just like totally an ego thing, right? These people are like, I have a master's in education, so yeah. there's no way some some poor person could just. You didn't go to college. You can't educate your kids. And it's like, also, y'all have uh, master's in educations, but you can't even teach an 18-year-old kid how to read. Yeah, right. So, I mean, clearly whatever you're doing isn't working, and your master's degree means nothing. Such a good point. Like Riley said, I don't exactly know what the functionally illiterate thing means. Like when we read that... I think it was Mississippi and Alabama are the highest states. It's like 25, 26% so, of people that come out of public school are functionally yeah, illiterate. So I think there. what that means is like you can read. Mm-hmm. So they can read like 
a menu at a restaurant. They mm-hmm. can read like road signs, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't be able to read a novel. Or like read like, at their they're, level. They're, yeah. So like they might be at like a very low reading level. Or if you were like, oh, you have to write this essay. They wouldn't know how like a paragraph works. They wouldn't know how to use commas. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't know how to write a research paper. Or, yeah. Or they wouldn't know how to spell. I think stuff like that. So I think it, I think basically like functionally illiterate is like an extremely low reading level like they've probably never read a book in their entire life yeah i we me you and Lori had a whole episode where we were talking about how is it possible how do you live your life if you're illiterate and then i started hearing that it was that they're functionally illiterate so i was like okay well obviously that's a different thing but i didn't look into it but i'm pretty sure what you're saying is exactly what <sighs> and it i'm is. pretty sure I'm, I'm trying to look it up now really quick i think it only takes like a few hours to teach a child how to read like i i think um Oh, wait, it takes 30 hours to teach a child how to read. Hmm. And again, I don't know. And that's like at three or four years old. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be at the, you know, the reading level of a four-year-old. But just to teach someone to read, it takes 30 hours. Yeah, but once they're that's, like that's, older. That's, that's, but that's like, okay, so yeah. And you're like, right. So child children are, you know, it's easier. Yeah, it's easier to teach them things, right? So, so let's say it's going to take me 30 hours to teach my four-year-old how to read. In a one-on-one setting. So whether mm-hmm. it's homeschooling or with a tutor, whatever. Um, but if you... I, I, I'm trying to remember like how long it took me to read when I was in public school. Mm-hmm. First of all, I don't think I was reading at four years old quite yet. I mean, a very basic. But basically what it only takes 30 hours to do in a one-on-one setting, when you have like two teachers for like 40 kids, that's going to take years to get the child at that same level. You know what I mean? Yeah. I actually remember learning to read. I, I just remember so much about my childhood. And I remember that when we had just moved to Kansas when I was a kid. So I was uh, four years old. I was asking my mom. We had all these boxes everywhere in the house. I, and I had a marker. And I was like, how do I spell my name? And she was telling me. So I already knew letters. But she was telling me how to spell my name. So I definitely knew letters at that point, and I was obviously how old were you? Said? Stuff. I was four years old when we moved. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah, wait. No, I was five when we left. I think I was three. I think it was three. But either way, I I remember that's the first thing I ever wrote was my name. Probably mm-hmm. like you know putting something backwards. But my mom had been showing me letters that yeah, uh, way before then. I think I learned letters stuff like that in kindergarten. Hmm. I think, and that, how old are you at that point? Like I guess five. four, maybe. Five. I think six. five. five I think you went in. Okay, and then six going on seven is first grade. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. So I already, what, I was two years behind you, at mm-hmm. least? It, that's just when my mom was telling me what letter spelled my name. Yeah. I, I'm not saying I could read and write at that point. Yeah. But maybe, like I could, taught, maybe I could spell my name in, in preschool. I think I wrote, wrote my name in preschool. And she had, you know, like... um. These things all over the house that were little charts that uh, showed you the alphabet and stuff. And I was just so interested in that. And then I was wanting to know how to spell more things because it was so fun to spell my name. So yeah. it's like, it, it's not even hard to teach a kid well, to read. And I These think, people are lazy. So so that's the thing too. Like children are very naturally curious. Like they want to learn. Um, and you know, I read a lot of homeschooling books and stuff like that. And just listening to like the, how a homeschooling child's mind works, like they're they're so interesting. They're like, I'm gonna write a research project on the guitar or mm. like on astronauts, and it's mm. like they're so um excited to do their schoolwork because mm. it's self directed. And then I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, I am so jaded from my awful traumatic experience in public school that 
I would never, like, even now as an adult, I would never, like, do a research paper for fall. Like, I would never, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of people, they're like, oh, I'm going to get my third PhD. And they're like, I just love to learn. I love going to school. I love doing all this stuff. But I'm so jaded from my own poor experience that it's like, I would never... Like, to me, that would never be fun. But maybe if I was homeschooled and I was able to do those things in a less traumatic way where it was guided by me and I was learning about things that I was interested in, um, maybe I would I would be different. I mean, there's no way to know. But just just basing on like stories in, in the books I'm reading based off of like my own personal experience. Yeah. That's one of the things that I think suck the most about people putting their kids in public school is they don't care that it will literally traumatize them. And not just for learning, but it's the only place that most people experience violence is public school. Yeah, bullying. I mean, your and your kids are statistically speaking going to be less intelligent, less creative. I mean, literally what public school does is it beats the creativity out of children. You're forced to sit in a chair for eight hours a day. So much of the childlike experience is playing and learning through play and imagination and, you know, like so much of that is stolen from you in public school. And it's and it's not even always the teacher's fault because they're trying to, like, control a giant classroom of children and they're they need to follow the curriculum and they need to do all this stuff. And it's just like they need to make sure that the children are getting the right education. And that they're they're yeah. just following orders. Though, they're just following that. orders. They're yeah. not thinking about like what's the best way to educate kids. They they just well they're to not allowed school. to. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, they got told that this is the only way to do it, and now they're like, yeah. So I don't know. I kind of feel like they're at fault. A lot of them are you know parasitic type people who are like, mm, I'm gonna have like this like not that easy, not that hard job. I don't think a lot of my teachers that I had in public school were actually people who were just love teaching and children and I, no. I feel like most of them were not they no were like, i mean even like my first grade teacher was like clawing at us and stuff like basically physically abusing us kind of you know like more she was way meaner to me than like my parents ever were when they were disciplining me you know what, what do I mean? you mean clawing at you she would like grab out our arms with Whoa. her like dirty cigarette fingernails yeah, yeah oh i was God. like six years old that's crazy and this woman was like bullying me essentially you know what i mean like so and this is like one of my earliest childhood memories is this scary old lady hmm who reeked like cigarettes, who, you know what I mean? And it's like, if my mother or my father was teaching me, I would have had so much better of an experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, they probably wouldn't claw at you. Hopefully, yeah. I I mean, my my parents never did that. Yeah. That is crazy and terrible. But I want to move on to something else that's crazy and terrible. This is from The Register, register theregister.com. I'd never heard of it, but Riley brought this show prep in. And it says... U.S. government pays AT&T to let cops search Americans' phone records, usually without a warrant. So I brought this in because people need to be aware that this is still going on. Mm. Um, you know, Edward Snowden back in 2013 talked about warrantless wiretapping going on, and no one's oh no no one was no one was all no one was aware this is going on, and no one was aware that U.S. citizens are being spied on by the government. Because no one cares. Hmm. And 10 years later, no one still cares. It's like, oh, well, it's okay. And in Hitler's Germany, in the 1930s, after the bombing of the Reichstag, which is the German German parliament building, 
people were allowing this sort of thing to happen. So yeah. we welcome to your totalitarian society, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. and Mrs. America. You have brought this on yourselves by allowing a group of strangers calling themselves government to spy on you, and you still think it's absolutely okay. Well, they think it's fine because they have compliant citizen privilege because they think, oh, well, I'm not doing any wrong, anything wrong, and I'm never going to get in trouble for it. I have it. nothing to hide, Bonnie. Right. Why should I be afraid of them spying on me? And right, will- yeah. So if I'm, if I'm naked in my bathroom changing... Why would I be upset that someone's looking through the window if I have nothing to hide? Yeah. Right? Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's common logic. courtesy. Yeah, it's, it's privacy. It's privacy. Yeah. We deserve privacy when we have phone conversations. You didn't contract a, with some people saying it's okay. I didn't ask for a group of strangers to, mm-hmm. to spy on me and, and demand that my phone records get turned over. I mean, I call my, boy, my, my girlfriend a lot and we talk a lot and I don't want someone listening to our conversations. Right. Yeah terrible um the other thing about it is as soon as these compliant citizens get something that's really not it, it's really innocuous used against them by the government because the government has grabbed so much power they can really get you in trouble for anything even things that aren't actually wrong um then they'll care and no one will be there to listen to them yeah okay let's get into the article it says a senator has complained that American law enforcement agencies snoop on U.S. citizens and residents, seemingly without regard for the privacy provisions of the Fourth Amendment, under a secret program called the Hemisphere Project that allows police to conduct searches of trillions of phone records. According to Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, these searches, and he's a Democrat from Oregon, these searches usually happen without warrants and after more than a decade of keeping people, lawmakers included, in the dark about Hemisphere, Wyden wants the Justice Department to reveal information about what he called a long-running dragnet surveillance program. No one cares anymore. Why, like We care, Riley. You and I care. Nikki cares. People listening to the show may care, but they're not going to be outraged by it like they would have been back in 2001 when the stupid patriot act came in came into play yeah before that happened before there was like oh a need just like what you're talking about about the bombing of the building in germany oh yep. there's a need now for this people are so gullible but yeah, you know they are the more people that learn about stuff like this because a lot of people just don't know what's going on the more people that do care riley so that's why we talk about it yes Cool. I have serious concerns about the legality of this surveillance program and the materials provided by the doj contain troubling information that would justifiably outrage many Americans and other members of Congress. Wyden wrote in a letter to U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, Under Hemisphere, the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy pays Telco AT&T to provide all federal, state, local, and tribal law enforcement agencies with the ability to request searches of trillions of domestic phone records dating back to at least... 1987. What? Whoa. I didn't even know they Whoa, had yeah. phone records from 1987. Holy cow. That's crazy. Plus the $4 billion call records added every day. Wow. Whoa. That is crazy. AT&T declined to answer any specific questions about Hemisphere, but a spokesperson told the register, to be clear, any information referred to in Senator Wyden's letter would be compelled by subpoena, warrant, or court order. We defer to the Justice Department to whom Senator Wyden's letter is addressed for comment. The AT&T spokesperson, uh, sorry, spokesperson said, I knocked my microphone away from my face. 
Like all companies, we are required by law to comply with subpoenas, warrants, and court orders from government and law enforcement agencies. I mean, that's what AT&T is saying, but Senator Wyden says that it's usually without warrants, so yeah. I wonder who's lying. According to Wyden, federal and state law enforcement agencies can request a hemisphere search with a subpoena, but many law enforcement agencies can issue these themselves. Additionally, any law enforcement agency across the country can request access to these searches, and they aren't limited to drug-related investigations, according to the Oregon senator. Hemisphere first came to light in a 2013 New York Times report that alleged the scale and longevity of the data storage appears to be unmatched by other government programs, including the NSA's gathering of phone call logs under the Patriot Act. Wow says it's not classified but that doesn't mean the feds want you to see it privacy advocates including the electronic front uh, frontier foundations have filed freedom of information act and state level public records lawsuits to learn more about the secret snooping program few have made a dent it appears that the feds are doing everything they can to keep hemisphere secret mm-hmm. although the program and its documents are not classified The Justice Department has marked them as law enforcement sensitive, meaning their disclosure could hurt ongoing investigations. This designation also prevents the documents from being uh, publicly released. Hmm. Yeah, all they have to say is, oh, we're doing a law enforcement um, job over here. It's, It's sensitive because of that. And then they get to not be transparent with the public about a lot of stuff. Senator Wyden wants the designation removed. Additionally, Hemisphere is not subject to a federal privacy impact assessment due to its funding structure, it's claimed. The White House doesn't directly pay AT&T. Instead, the ONDCP, which that was way up here, what was it? The Office of National Drug Control Policy. So instead of the United States, I mean the White House paying it directly, the ONDCP provides a grant to the Houston High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area, which is a partnership between federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies. And this partnership, in turn, pays AT&T to operate this surveillance scheme. So, yeah, it all just sounds like a, um, you know, dirty scheme where they aren't doing it directly, but they're doing it indirectly. And therefore, they don't have to be subject to a privacy impact assessment, whatever that is. says... In Senator Wyden's letter, he quotes a law enforcement official who described Hemisphere as AT&T's super search engine and Google on steroids. He also cites ONDCP slides and Drug Enforcement Administration emails, which is the DEA, if you ever heard about that, disclosing that AT&T searches records kept by its wholesale division, which carries communication on behalf of other telecom companies and their customers. Another ONDCP document purportedly states that Hemisphere can't be used to identify alternate numbers used by a target, obtain location data, and... Oh, can. Sorry, let me restart. It says that Hemisphere can be used to identify alternate numbers used by a target, obtain location data, and two levels of call detail records for one target number. Hmm. So I guess if they're searching for some specific person, they can, like match his voice to another phone number he has that's pretty crazy that is crazy that provision means hemisphere searches can pull in phone records of everyone who communicated with the target of an investigation 
In other words, there's something, there's some serious snooping happening. This letter to DOJ comes as Wyden and other lawmakers from both parties in the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives have introduced the Government Surveillance Reform Act, which would, among other things, require an, an independent court order before allowing surveillance of Americans' phone records. It's interesting. I hadn't heard of that either. Um, it has a link here that goes to that. Um, the Government Surveillance Reform Act, I think it was, since I clicked on it, it disappeared. Yeah. It says, um, this is from November 8th. It says, Uncle Sam snooping on U.S. folks, not without a warrant. Lawmakers agree. So I want to see. It says a, it's a bipartisan bill that was introduced um, just right before, or so the 7th of November this year. That would rein in the Fed's powers to snoop on U.S. persons without a warrant under the infamous FISA Section 702. This controversial surveillance tool is set to expire at the end of the year unless Congress reauthorizes it. Oh, that's interesting. So, apparently they're allowed to um, snoop on Americans under FISA Section 702, and that's going to expire at the end of the year unless Congress decides to reauthorize it. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, keep an eye out for it. Well, that's all really interesting. I'm going to move on to this story that Riley brought in from... Well, I don't know where it's from. I was trying to find it. Dailymail.com about the LDS Church, the Latter Church of the Latter Jesus the Christ. The Church of, of Jesus Christ. Of La- it's a the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day. It's a mouthful. Latter Day Saints. Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. It's a mouthful. Yep, Definitely. it's the Mormons. Yeah, the Mormon Church. I don't know why it has two names. Do you? Oh, is that? So I didn't know those were like synonymous. Oh, yeah, yeah, they are. So the Mormon Church. The Mormon is a nickname for the church because of the Book of Mormon that Joseph Smith okay. allegedly translated. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah. Similar organizations. Now, there are fundamentalist groups like the Kingston Group in Salt Lake area and the fundamentalist group led by Warren Jeffs that also call themselves Mormons. And they say the mainstream Mormon church is all apostate. So, you know, it's it's it's, it's interesting when you start delving into the world of Mormonism. Hmm. All kinds of different sects call the other sects heretical and apostate. Yeah. Well, this from DailyMail.com says, Mormon leaders accused of covering up a decades-long epidemic of sexual abuse and incest that rivals scandals in Catholic Church. Victims say perpetuators are protected, but the abused are forced to forgive their attackers. Yikes. Yeah, oh, it's, it's really bad. So, you know, growing up Mormon... I was not aware of all the sexual abuse things going on. Um, I I was also ho- hoping that you know safeguards would be in place that children and things be and others would be protected from church leaders abusing people. So, in a local congregation, which is called a ward, you have what's called a bishop, and the bishop is usually a man who. Isn't it mid middle ages, forties, fifties? Sometimes, I mean, the youngest bishop I've heard of being called as a bishop or whatever was twenty nine. But they're generally middle aged people, and they're generally interviewing people about sexual stuff that they've supposedly done. For example, they'd be interviewing teenagers about their sex lives or, or whether they're self stimulating or whatever. Hmm. And you know, some people are really opposed to that, but. These bishops are also in places where they can abuse people. And you know, the church does have a hotline where, that you can call, not the members, but the bishops can call and say, hey, this abuse happened. What do I do about it? And the the hotline doesn't go to an abuse advocacy place. It goes to Kirk and McConkie, which is a 
a law firm that the church hired and they can say, oh, well, you don't need to report it because you're not in a mandatory reporting area for abuse. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. It is crazy. It's insane. It's ridiculous how the abuse of power goes from the bottom all the way to the top because in in the LDS church, the main leaders are what's called the first presidency. So you have the president of the church where the, where the prophet, which is Russell Nelson and his two counselors. Then you have the quorum of the 12 apostles, which is the second line of leadership. And I'm assuming that, you know, these people are not pure as a driven snow. They've had mm. to get into that position by, you know, being wealthy or, you know, tugging on the right heartstrings or whatever and getting to these positions of power by playing the church game. Right. And I find it really interesting that says it rivals the scandals in the Catholic Church because people, it's mainstream. People know that lots of terrible child abuse has happened in the oh, Catholic yeah. Church. And I never even really think about that type of thing involved with the Mormon Church. And I lived in Utah for a while. I haven't thought about it either until all these stories started coming out. And I was like, oh, no, this is bad. This is really bad. It says Mormon leaders are covering up an epidemic of sexual abuse that rivals scandals exposed within the Catholic Church, victims have alleged to DailyMail.com. The Utah-based religion has repeatedly protected perpetuators and punished those who speak out in a bid to protect its reputation at all costs, it is claimed. Victims believe abuse is rampant, um, with Mormon families said to be suffering extremely high rates of incest. Young girls... Subjected to horrific abuse, say that they are told to forgive their assailants and discouraged from reporting the to the police. Now, I'm all about forgiveness, but telling someone for to give, no, yeah, you, they need to do that on their own terms and their own. Yeah, time. absolutely, and, and especially to, with like childhood abuse, it's like they there's so much healing that needs oh, to happen yeah, before forgiveness can be given. And it's sometimes. One thing- if it's like, oh, this is going to be good for you to just forgive them and move on. It's another thing to be doing it to protect the abuser. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it seems like is going Absolutely. on Absolutely. Well, if you want to finish this, I'm going to post it in the social media for Free Talk Live. You can find us on Twitter. You can also go to freetalklive.com for more of us. Thanks for listening and peace. want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the realtor mark warden now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in new hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime our friends at porcupine real estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by new hampshire citizens reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. PorcupineRealEstate.com